What up, people? Welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, you party people. Er, what are you doing? (laughs) I'm Latara. I'm Laura, and I've lost my fucking mind. And this is Passions Passions Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) So if you notice that the sound is a little different um, than what you're used to, it's because we're recording remotely. I'm in Tennessee. I'm in New York, and I will soon be in Ohio, so we will still be separated. Yeah, I know. I'm so sad. I miss My heart is breaking. I miss you so much. By the time we see each other again, it will be about two months. Yeah. Two it's months. It's already been a month, basically. I have spent literally every day of the last year with you. <laughs> like, this is so weird. It is weird, and I'm really not looking forward to getting back to the apartment and it being empty. Yeah. Eh, whatever. I cleaned it though, so it'll look nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I cleaned my room before I left, so. Good for I, you. I'm looking forward to that. I'm look, and I brought my sheets and stuff home with me, so I washed them. Whatever. Y'all don't want to hear about this. Let, <laughs> we're just into, catching up. Now we're just catching up. We're just having a phone call. On air. Let's get into <laughs> passion. So today we're talking about episodes 126 through 130. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. All right. I did it. Um, y'all, these episodes were fucking crazy. It's the new year. It's the new oh millennium. It's the, it new millennium. the new millennium. Uh, it's the new obsessed. millennium. We're in the year of Y2K, my friends. I am obsessed with the fact that it is the new millennium in harmony. So Party like it's 1999. Yes. No, anyway, <laughs> I miss 1999. So, I don't. These costumes and these hairstyles did not make me miss 1999. The hairstyles were a hot fucking mess. But, like, some of those dresses were gorgeous. Teresa's okay. dress. Yeah. Even Gwen's dress Gwen's looked dress. great. Like, Gwen's dress was actually my favorite dress. Yeah, it was, oh, no. I, Simone's was my favorite. Oh, really? You yeah, know I loved was, like, her dress. The worst. Charities. Charity. What the fuck? You know what? We'll get into we'll it. We'll talk about it. So, let's get started with my fave fave. She, even though she's so crazy. How is she so crazy? She really loses it in these next few. Just you wait, Henry Higgins. Just you fucking wait. So, Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald has agreed to spend New Year's Eve with Ethan because she thought that he was asking her out. But he was actually asking her to come out with him and Gwen, right? Right. With his, I mean, with her boyfriend, this mysterious boyfriend of hers. And again, I'm still not clear on the language here. Is it a boyfriend or is it just a guy she likes? Right. Like they interchange crush, boyfriend, special friend. Like they use all these different words that mean different things, but they interchange them as if they have the same definition. But yeah, I don't know. Either way, Teresa has agreed and then tries to stammer out an excuse about the boyfriend not being able to show up. But then Ethan is like, but Teresa, you do have a boyfriend, don't you? Like he asks her to her face and she says, well... There's definitely a guy that I've gone out with and I think about him all the time, but you know, it's not really cut and dry because I care about the relationship more than he does. And Whitney, God bless her. She tries to help. She jumps in is like, you know, you know, guys aren't always aware of their feelings the way that women are. And it just, it, it just doesn't really work. I mean, it works on Ethan, but on anyone else, it, it wouldn't. It works on Ethan. <laughs> I mean, this, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. I don't give a fuck. This whole scenario is so fucking stupid. I hate it so much. Oh, Gwen's going to stop being jealous because 
Teresa has a guy, sh- another guy she likes. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't hold any water. <sighs> to her, it does. The, the funniest part of it is that it's her idea. It's I Gwen's know. plan. I know. I, it, w- she's so dumb. I'm sorry. They're, she and Ethan kind of belong together. I, <laughs> I just. <sighs> they're intellectual equals. She's true. I think she's smarter than he is, but a rock is smarter than he is. (laughs) A box of hair is smarter than Ethan Crane. He is a dunce. He's a dunce. He is so simple. This poor man. So Ethan's like, well, you have to find a way to make it work. Blah, blah, blah. All of this. And Teresa says, you know, I'll do whatever I can to make sure that you are with the woman you belong with. Yeah, I want you to be happy. And how else can you be happy unless you're with the right woman? Wow. Wow. And and Ethan still is not catching on. And then he asks for the guy's name and number. He's like, well, I'll just ask him. You know, nobody's going to turn down an invitation from Ethan Crane for New Year's at the Seascape restaurant. He'd be crazy to turn down such an invitation. So just give me his name and number. And you know what? It was. It is at this moment that Ethan should have truly should have caught on, because she yes. didn't even give him a name. Right. She didn't even give him a name. I mean, I, yeah. I uh, I don't. I don't know that if Ethan Crane asked out a teenage boy, that child would agree <laughs> to go out with him on New Year's Eve. But yeah, he should have figured out when she gave him no name that it was. Ah, whatever. I, I, you know, Latara, I do think I agree with you that he has an inkling and he hasn't necessarily admitted it to himself because he's enjoying the drama. He's enjoying the attention. He's enjoying these women fighting over him. These two Mm -hmm. beautiful girls. Um, and so he knows enough to encourage it and still remain blameless enough in his own eyes. Yeah. He, he definitely has some sort of, he has to, you have to. I mean, this is so ridiculous and absurd. She couldn't even give him a name. Like, if you ask me right now, who's your boyfriend? I would at least come up with a George Glass. You know what I mean? I would at least come up with something, you know? (laughs) Okay, Jan. (laughs) Sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. I mean, she, I, mm, he's so dumb and I, I'm tired. I'm, I'm getting tired of this. Me I too. tire of this. I'm it getting gets better t- at the end of the, these five episodes. Like I get, I mean, we go back to the, we're in the same cycle, but it's back to a part in the cycle that I enjoy. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, it's, it is cyclical. We're doing the same thing. Just like when T- Teresa and Ethan kept having chance encounters and three of them, I was like, okay, cool. We're done. And then they just kept doing more. It's like, we're, we're in the part now where we're doing too much. Like, Three versions of this is enough. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, I, I I agree, but I do enjoy it. I don't know why. I mean, it's a soap opera, too. At the end of the day, it's all terrible. It's all so yeah. bad, but so good. So good. So, so high good. drama. Oh, oh, so good. High drama. So she basically tells Ethan, like, don't worry. I'll make sure he's there. Like, I'll do this for you. And uh, then Ethan's like, OK, cool. And. Teresa and Whitney go back to Teresa's house and Teresa is distraught, right? Like she's like trying to figure out what to do about her latest like precarious situation. This situation is so fraught with danger for her. And she, 
Just yeah, Whitney tells her she's like, "This is you've gone too far. Like the boat has left the harbor. There's no coming back from this one." And Teresa suddenly is like, "Wait a minute, I don't, I don't need to confess to anything. I don't need to be honest about any of this. I don't need to tell Ethan what's really going on because guess what? Fate's got my back." Laura, like the girl, the pendulum in this girl's head, the swinging. The emotions, because she was in tears. Like, she was going to, like, Whitney was handing her the phone, was like, throw in the towel, call Ethan, come clean, blah, blah, blah. She was, like, tearfully reaching for the phone. I mean, in tears. She was going to do it. And then she was, yeah, she was just like, you know what? I Let me pick out my most beautiful dress, because I'm going. I'm definitely going tonight. <laughs> I, you know, I, she says... Whitney says to her, like, you're still going? And she's like, of course I'm going. Incredulous. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course I'm going. Of course Fate I'm wants going. Me and, Fate wants me and Ethan to be together, so I got to go be with him. And Fate then, wants it. And it's not me, it, it's Fate. It was in this conversation that I realized it's New Year's Eve. Like, it's today. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I realized the same thing. It was They pulled the same bait and switch that they did on Christmas. Where I was like, no, it's like the days leading up to Christmas. Oh, shit, the party is now. Oh, we're having the party. They decorated their Christmas tree on Christmas, Christmas morning. Day. And Ivy sent them invitations on Christmas Day. Oh, like, what is this? so crazy. It's the same thing. The same yeah. shit is happening here. Uh, Ethan has invited Teresa out to New Year's Eve dinner on New Year's Eve. Yep. I would have said no. Fuck I, you. You, yeah. you should have asked me weeks ago. I flat out would have been like, oh, I'm sorry. We can't make it. We already have plans. Of course we have plans. It's midnight in six hours. <laughs> Laura, your face. <laughs> it's midnight in six hours. I have plans. Ooh. I have a place to be in. It ain't with you. It, ooh, I'm offended. Well. I'm offended. I yes. was, look, this is why. I was asked out to uh, like a homecoming dance or something. I think it might have been my senior year. And I like didn't have boyfriends. I was never asked out, you know, so none that was very new to me, but it was, a, a f- he was like kind of a friend. He was in like the group of friends that he and I weren't super close. And he asked me to the dance the day before the dance because he had, didn't have another date. And I knew that's why he was asking me. And I was mad. And I said, no, you, you don't get to ask me out as like a, con- like a consolation because yeah. nobody else would go out with you. And I feel similarly about this. It's like, this is so last minute, this has nothing to do with me and everything to do with you. And I'm not going to be a pawn in whatever scheme you have going on to make yourself feel better. No, yeah, thank you. I definitely no, don't. thank you. If it does not feel good to be somebody's like backup. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be your safety school, <laughs> you know? And that's, exactly. And that's kind of what is happening with Gwen and Teresa. Gwen is the safety school mm-hmm. and she knows it. Mm-hmm. And Teresa, Teresa is the reach. Teresa's the fucking Ivy Leagues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so... Teresa like gets all gussied up for the ball and she looks gorgeous as usual. She always looks just beautiful. Mm-hmm. She couldn't look bad if you put her in a paper bag. She would look oh, she's so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh anyway, she gets all got gussied up and Gwen randomly calls her. Gwen calls her. Oh my god, Gwen. Why does Gwen call her, Latara? Well, she just wants to make sure that they're still on and that her boyfriend will be at the Seascapes restaurant. She just wants to tease Teresa cuz she knows Teresa doesn't have any other guy. She knows. Right. She knows. 
She, and she's just she fucking around knows. with this teenage girl. She's just like fucking with her brain. She she doesn't think that Ethan's GPA is high enough to get into the Ivy League. <laughs> she's like, this man is destined for the safety school that is me. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and yet she decides to call Princeton and fuck around with their admissions team. <laughs> I mean, come on, they come lo- on! I love this fucking analogy. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Ohio State. <laughs> Come on now. Don't fuck with Princeton. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> Guess what? You got a Harvard man. Oh, well. Oh, well, Ethan. well. Bless Ethan's heart. <laughs> I don't, I mean, maybe I don't the ex extra- graduated from Harvard. Maybe the extracurriculars are what really like pushed his admissions through. I guess. It was the money. Let's just be real. It was, yeah, it was, it the, was money. the money. But um, so yeah, she calls. And Teresa is like not really shaken by this. She's just like, "Yep, I'm coming. Don't you worry." Yeah. She d- like she, God, she's a nut, and I love her. Yeah. So let's talk about what's going on at the Crane Mansion. Um, Sheridan is there. Ethan and Gwen are like catching her up on what's been going on, right? Yep, they're having tea and talking about the impending New Year's Eve festivities. Basically, that's uh, the whole thing. Yeah, and then he like invites Sheridan. He's like, "Can you please come to the restaurant with us?" Like on our double date by yourself. Then they talk about like who she's going to bring it, whatever. That's neither here nor there. But then Sheridan leaves. Ethan once again proposes to Gwen. He tells Gwen, can we elope to Bermuda tonight? Let's just not even go to the party. Let's just go get married. And Gwen's like, that's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. And then turns his ass down again. Laura, I'm sorry. I know you're like, well, that's not how she wants it. But she's going to have to take what she can fucking get because she's a safety school. You're going to have to take what you can get. (laughs) In this moment, I said, Gwen's need to prove her suspicions about Teresa true kind of trump her ability to agree to marry the man supposedly of her dreams. And so she misses yet another opportunity. Like she doesn't want to marry him. No, she doesn't want to marry him. No, she doesn't want to marry him. She just wants to humiliate Teresa. Yeah. That's I'm that's where I am now. Gwen says she needs to prove her Teresa's suspicions true and misses yet another opportunity to marry the man of her dreams. So this tells me she wants Ethan to love her, but she doesn't really want to be with him because she knows she can't trust him. At the yeah. end of the day, she doesn't want him. At the end of the day, she doesn't. She couldn't possibly because he has proposed her like 5,000 times at this point and each every single time she has said no. Yeah. It's not about Ethan. It's about Teresa. For Gwen, it's about Teresa. And at this point, she just wants to humiliate this 15, 16 year old girl. Like, yeah, I think she's probably like 16 or 17. But at at this point, that's what he that's what it seems like her whole want and objective is, is to just humiliate Teresa. If so, Miguel is driving, so he's like 16. Is Teresa older than Miguel? Teresa's older than Miguel, so she's either 17 or 18. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right. So that's what's going on with these idiots. Let's talk about the other cranes in the mansion, okay? So Julian is on the phone with Alistair, who is still just a voice in a machine. We haven't seen him yet. Uh, and Alistair correctly points out that Julian is an idiot for kidnapping Martin. Yep, because <laughs> he is. Because he kidnapped Martin. He kidnapped Martin at gunpoint. And then 
locked him in his basement in his home. Why wouldn't he put him in one of the other properties? He has rooms everywhere. He has buildings everywhere. Surely you have some places other... Everywhere other than your own fucking home. I mean, the the plausible deniability of him. Oh yeah, he's been locked in the the basement storage in the in the mall is a lot greater than. Oh yeah, he's in my home. He's at my house. He's in my house. Idiot. I can't stand Julian. I mean, he's hilarious, but he's so stupid. He is so funny. Um. So <laughs> Julian is telling Alistair, "Yeah, I've got everything under control. Don't you worry." Meanwhile, Pilar's about to walk in on Martin. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, so Pilar is about to walk in on Martin because she's got this like toolbox and is going to go put it away. And um, Ivy goes in to tease Julian because she knows that something's up. And she she walks in and straight up says to him, I can't believe how thoroughly you botched this up. Yep. And brings up Pilar. And Julian's like, oh, you know, we should give her the week off and pay her anyway. So, of course, Ivy smells a rat. Because why would why would this man want to give Pilar time off and then pay her? PTO is not a thing in Julian's vocabulary. Right. And, he, yeah, he doesn't give people time off. He doesn't give them money to for not working. Like, he's he's a Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is Scrooge McDuck. You know. <laughs> so she, yeah she's like what the fuck is going on but he he's like nothing don't what don't. yeah she says you know your name is ulterior motive so i don't know what you're planning but i do know that something is going on and anyway since you've met since you've mentioned pilar i actually need her help for new year's eve so that she'll be out of the house but she, she i do need her to still be working so you know yeah and well and um ivy says actually and speaking of Pilar, have you seen her? I, I need her help for something. The last time I saw her, she was headed towards the basement. And Julian bounds towards the basement. Like he does Bolts. not. He looks like he's going to throw up when he hears that. Yeah. Um. So he goes down. And meanwhile, in the basement, Martin has like picked up a two by four or something like he there's all kinds of shit in there for him to defend himself with he's, like he's not in an empty room yeah because julian's an idiot so it's not an empty <laughs> room it's like a storage shed with tools and shit and uh so martin has picked up a two by four here's somebody coming and putting keys in the door and he's like this is going to be my my time so he lies in wait well it's pilar coming through the door she walks through the fucking door he swings the two by four at her, but she does not see it. She like turns around and drops some tools. She doesn't see anything. Well, because Julian interrupts her in the in the middle of the whole thing. He's like, oh, Pilar. And that's why she like turns around and like the, I guess the, the velocity of her turn, um, rem- like uh, some tools fell out on the floor, specifically like a giant file, like a, one of those big metal files. Mm-hmm. And so Martin... Okay, let's talk about Martin. <laughs> Instead of following through and attacking and escaping, Martin just slithers back into the shadows and waits. You got an open door and two people who are distracted. Why wouldn't you leave? Why wouldn't you try to escape anyway? I don't know. Maybe because he didn't know who was coming through the door, and so he was going to hit whoever it was. He probably I assume he thought it was Julian. <clears throat> yeah. But once he realized it was Pilar, he didn't want to hit Pilar. I don't know. Because th- that's been a whole thing, too, is like, Pilar can't see him. Pilar can't right. see me. Like, so I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Also, I, I mean, once he blows his cover, that really ruins his chances of getting any money. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense, I guess. But I guess. if you're locked in someone's basement, I feel like your chances of getting any money are pretty much squat. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're yeah. like, basically you're just fighting for your life at that point. Yeah. I, agree. I, I, I don't know. For me, money would be the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. But, uh, in that moment, so Martin like slinks back into the shadows and then Julian is like trying to get Pilar out of there. But she takes this moment to like, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. Let's catch up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I haven't been able to talk to you since you got back from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And she just asks Julian um, if he's heard anything from Martin. And of course, Julian lies and says, no, I don't. I haven't heard from him. It's best. If, this was hilarious. He was like. You know, that man really ran out on you and he's a real scoundrel. Maybe you should just move on with your life. And then Pilar says, um, I, I will be faithful to, Mar to Martin till the day that I die. And Julian goes, well, if that's your choice and like pushes her out. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's what you that's what you want. All right. Yeah, he's Julian is her out of the basement. He's not handling it elegantly at all. Uh, and yet no one seems to be onto him. So, so after he gets Pilar out of the way, he basically tells Martin to, uh, like stay quiet and, uh, let me get through this and I will slip you out of harmony in secrecy when the timing is right. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to hurt you, but no one can know that you were here. We, no one can know that we have any kind of connection at all. So just sit tight and I'll get you out of here as soon as I can. Yeah. And then once Julian leaves, Martin notices like that big file that fell out of the toolbox that Pilar was um, bringing back downstairs. And he picks it up and he says, this is my ticket to freedom. <sighs> okay. So he starts filing down the hinges on the door. He's going to yeah. take the door well, off I think and he was, get out. I think he was like jimmying them out of the, out of their little holder. You know what I mean? Oh. I think he was kind of using it kind of like a chisel. Cause he had that like fucking piece of wood. And so he started to like beat it. I don't know. It was cartoonish. Yeah. I thought, I thought he was filing off the top of it so that he could like, what, well, whatever. It doesn't matter. It he, doesn't matter. He gets out. He gets out. <laughs> We're just going to go ahead. Spoiler alert. Martin, Martin succeeds. Martin, Martin gets out. Of course he, of course he does. So, okay. I want to talk about Pilar confronting Julian. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand what this was, but Pilar decides to go visit Julian in his office just shortly after Martin, the Martin stuff happens and basically says, look, you and the crane family has always been good to me, but I do fear that Martin's disappearance has something to do with your family. I love him. I will defend him until his dying day. And if it does turn out that you had something to do with his disappearance, Luis is going to flip out. And she says, David brought down Goliath and Luis will bring down the cranes. And the I truth will out. The truth will out. I loved it. I said, damn, Pilar. She, I, she was feeling real spicy. Like, I, she... I, okay, like you're going to go to your boss and accuse him of whatever, because whatever right. it is, it, is, it ain't good. Yeah. And then tell him that your son is going to bring him down like David brought down Goliath? I mean, I just didn't know. I, like, I, I liked what she said. I, every single word of it was like, yeah. But I don't really understand what the fuck she was thinking. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know where, I, I, I don't know where it was coming from. I still... I guess these episodes kind of put to rest that, I, uh, well, maybe not. My suspicions that Pilar knows more about Martin's disappearance than she lets on. Mm -hmm. um, 
but uh, I still don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because I remember it was a while ago. You and I were like, maybe Pilar had something to do with his disappearance. But based on, yeah, like you said, based on everything that's happened here, it seems like she is none the wiser. Like she has no information at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Julian says to her, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm not scared of your son. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a crazy. He laughs. He laughs yeah. about it. And then the doorbell rings and she he says, you probably better get that. And she's like, yep, I probably better do that because it's my job <laughs> to answer the doors around here. So she goes to answer the door. And uh, that's the end of their conversation. Yeah, basically, Pilar answers the door and then uh, runs into Ivy. And she and Ivy have the same conversation they always have about how Ivy's still in love with Sam. And and it doesn't really matter very much, except I have to say (laughs) that Ivy's big plan is I'm going to wear a dress in Sam's favorite color tonight. And Pilar says... And what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? How is Sam going to feel when he knows that you lied to him and snuck around and did all of this? Like, what, what, what are you thinking? The whole, ugh, it's so stupid. And then Millicent calls her friend Millicent that she mm-hmm. made put together uh, this, dinner. The, the, yeah. this dinner party. And we learn that she is extending another last minute invitation. She has not actually invited uh, Eve to the dinner and her grand plan is that once she invites Eve and tell her she she's winning an award then Eve will invite the Bennets. Like it's the night before and she hasn't invited them. This was crazy. What uh, is happening? Uh, again, it was again it was like, "Oh, it's New Year's Eve. It, it's already the day and uh nobody either has plans or are going to just not do what they had planned and just do this other thing now. I don't know, but Oh, Oh, the other thing, her party is at the Seascape restaurant. I didn't realize until this moment that I thought that Ethan, I thought that his dinner with Gwen was like totally separate from this party that Ivy is throwing. It wasn't until this moment that I realized they're all going to the same place. All to the same place. And boy, does it get spicy. You keep saying that word. You I keep don't saying know spicy. why I can't stop saying it. I'll change. I'll change. You All can right. be like you can be like Hank and say caliente. No, I I would never be like Hank. How dare you? How or dare picante. you? I hate picante. him. I can't stand Hank. Like these episodes make me really despise him, and he didn't even yeah. do anything that terrible. He just is so annoying. Ugh. I want to. I want to complain about Hank. He's when such we a get fucking tryhard. I just. Ugh. Oh, I can't stand him. Anyway, um. So yeah, Ivy has laid her tender trap, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. Yep. Um. So before leaving, um, for their party, this is all pre New Year's Eve party stuff. Julian tells Pilar that everybody can like have the night off and to t- for everybody to steer-, steer clear of the basement. Like he is so suspicious. <laughs> He's so suspicious. It's just like, yeah, just tell no one to go to the basement. I'm just, you know, doing some work down there. Since when do you do work, bruh? Like, what he, are you talking about? He telegraphs every single move so beautifully to his opponent and thinks that he's pulling the wool over their eyes. When in reality, he's just, he's just obscuring the truth from himself. It's amazing. He's such a buffoon in every sense. I love him. Yeah. He's a mess. I love him. I hate him, but I love him. Yeah. So, uh, let's move on. Where should we go next? I just want to say when Martin escapes, 
He kicks down the door and says, Julian Crane thinks Y2K is his biggest problem tonight, <laughs> which is hilarious. And then he goes in search of money. He goes to the library trying to find money, but oh, instead yeah. he, fi- he finds a gun. Yeah. He finds Julian's gun in the desk. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. So uh, let's go to, let's talk about like Eve, Chad, TC, yeah. all of this bullshit. Yeah. Um, TC is at work on New Year's Eve. I, like, I don't understand. TC is at the school in his office on New Year's Eve. I I don't know. I, I, I okay. I think that TC, because he is a pillar in the community, I think he and Chad are getting the sound equipment from the school to bring it over to the youth center party. Okay. And, and I think that's maybe what they're doing. Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, why TC, is he working on, T- on New Year's Eve? TC was just, like, sitting behind his desk. I don't know. You know, know what I mean? Like, if you were just going to get some stuff, you just go in and get the shit. He was, like, sitting at his desk. He, he was tired. Eve. He needed a break. He was on the from- phone with Eve. Eve's in Orville's room at the hospital. They're having a whole conversation. I'm confu- that I'm confused by because I <laughs> thought I thought Eve knew why she didn't want Orville to fucking talk, but it seems like she doesn't even fucking know why she doesn't want Orville to talk. Then why did she hit him with her car? <laughs> I don't know. Because she is the reason that he's in the hospital, is she not? They have led us to believe <laughs> that Eve ran over this old ass man to put him in the hospital to keep his mouth shut. But now that she's talking to him, it would appear that she has she doesn't know anything. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? What know. is happening? I don't know. Not to mention she like kept him sedated. Yes. But she's been keeping him sedated and like putting him in many comas yes (laughs) yes she's put she's keeping this man in a perma coma and then it's telling other people like chad who wants answers to uh, to who he is telling him oh well you know this man's mind is addled i don't know that he's going to be any use helping you like what what i don't know what does eve actually know what does Eve, it doesn't seem, I think Eve knows that she had a relationship with Julian, but I don't know anything beyond that and why, or what Orville has to do with anything. Is he one of Julian's like thugs? Is he one of, is he one of his guys? Cause he seems to have people around the country. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't get this. I have no clue. But anyway, Grace walks in just as Orville is talking to Eve and talking about like Chad and, and Grace is like, oh, you're awake because he's awake for the first time. She's like, oh, my gosh, can you tell us anything about Chad? And Orville seems to be like lucid. And then he starts just saying his ABCs. <laughs> I love this. But I have to say he stopped at J, which is which is obviously <gasps> him telling Eve I know about Julian. Oh, my God. I didn't even notice that. Are you serious? Yeah, I didn't notice that. I just saw oh. him, I just saw him stop and smile, but I thought he was smiling because well, I guess it's both, but I thought he stopped and smiled because he had turned over and they thought he was like just losing his mind again and he was still completely lucid and he was ah. just like I'm I'm just going to keep my secrets, you know, I'm just going to play this game with Eve until I can't anymore. He's totally playing a game because he went A B C D E F G H I J and no. smiled and turned over because he's because pl- he's playing a cat and mouse game. I did not. I did not even realize that he stopped ah. at Jay. I guess because I was just talking. I mean, 
I was just typing that he was singing his ABCs. Also, oh, yes, he was like, that's I know not the my melody. ABCs. Oh, I know. That's A, not the B, melody. C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. And I don't think that song is copywritten. Like, I don't think it's a song that you can't sing. I don't think it has like. it's Yeah, it's not like Happy Birthday. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is, though. Yeah, it could be. I, I could I, whatever so that person's super fucking rich if it is <laughs> the person who wrote the abc song <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean rolling in it <laughs> but uh so over tc was on the phone with eve that's how we ended up at the hospital right we saw what was going at the hospital but back at tc's office he like gives chad a little pep talk about his life and i don't know he gives him a little pep talk who cares i care yeah <laughs> and they talk about the dance and then sam comes in and sam then sam comes up. in i mean i don't it's really it's really like they just didn't try <laughs> they didn't try all. they didn't try and so then they talk about martin for a little bit and then they talk about i chad like leaves and then tc like brings up ivy's kiss and so then they're all talking about how they're never going back to the cranes again and Sam's like, I'm never going to see Ivy Crane again, not knowing that she has laid this tender trap for him. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And 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 I have to say, it, in the immediate next scene, all of a sudden, all of the people who were at the school are now at the hospital. Yep, they all go so to now, the hospital. So now Sam and TC and Chad are have been transposed to the hospital, it, it, I don't know, in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And so Chad goes into Orville's room. This actually kind of made me teary-eyed. Orville's laying there unconscious, I guess. And um, Chad talks about how much he has noticed how the people in Harmony live and that everybody's so nice and how close the families are. And he says, basically, you know, if I have a connection to anyone in Harmony, I'll stay because, you know, this seems like a nice place. But if... If no one's here for me, then I'm going to leave. And he, he gets ups- he gets kind of upset, you know, because Orville won't mm-hmm. wake up and he's got just a lot of trauma. And he's poor, sweet, sweet, sad, sad Chad. Yeah. Sad Chad. Yeah, sad Chad. Yeah, he's like the people in Harmony care about each other. They share things. People are close. He's like, these families have mad love for each other. That's what he says. That mad like, love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so while he's like in there, even TC and Grace and Sam are all out in the hallway talking about their New Year's Eve plans or whatever. And then Eve gets the phone call that she's being honored as Doctor of the Year tonight at the Seascapes restaurant. Also, the way these scenes... The way their scenes were set up, it was like it wasn't New Year's Eve. Did you notice that? The way yeah. they talked, it was like they they were in a different day than everybody else. But they it, but then they ended up in New Year's Eve, whatever. But for like four episodes, so, there were they were in like lead up days. Yeah, it was so weird. Um, the time the timing specifically for the Russells and the Bennetts was very strange to me. I didn't really understand it, but I um, I really felt bad for Eve in this moment where she gets this phone call. She's all excited to be winning this prestigious award. She's dedicated her life to, to medicine and helping people. And she thinks that she's being recognized for her work. And this is a big deal. And she doesn't know that it's just a ploy for a wealthy woman to pursue a man that she hasn't seen in 20 something years. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole thing just really made me so, 
so sad because she was so authentically excited to yeah. be winning this this achievement. This is a big deal. Yeah. I, I don't know. The whole thing just put a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I agree. All right. So that's what's going on with the Russells and the Bennett's at the hospital, right? So then Chad leaves because he has to go and set up for the youth center at the youth center for the dance. Also, I think the adults go over there too, right? Yeah, they so go to help. What goes on with Orville? Well, he wakes up and says, nobody knows. He kind of does that sing-songy thing that he's been doing. And, <laughs> sa- and then he goes, oh, no, the birth certificate, like the light bulb moment. It was so cartoonish. Yep. And this old-ass man crawls out of the hospital bed <laughs> and sneaks out of the hospital, which is completely empty. There are no orderlies. There are no nurses. There are no patients. There are no doctors. It's completely empty. And this man just walks to his apartment to go destroy Chad's birth certificate, I guess. He has Question Chad's mark? birth certificate at his apartment. Like, I know you know more about this because you watched the next few episodes and I haven't watched them yet. But yeah, like, where is the birth certificate? Is it, it's at his apartment? Why does he have it? <laughs> yeah, that's my question. Why does he have it? Why does he have it? Why is it at his apartment? And what? what's on it? What's on is it? It's on it. Yeah. Because he was like, oh, everyone will know if they look at the birth certificate. Well, what the fuck is on the birth certificate? I assume Chad's parents' names, obviously. Right. But like, I don't know. Maybe Orville is Chad's mother. I mean, I wouldn't put it, I would not put it past this show. Maybe. I would not put it past this show. Yeah. Maybe there was like a reassignment surgery in his past. And I I mean, I I don't like, what is happening? What the fuck is happening? Laura, here's the thing. This is one storyline. I actually know what happens, but it takes so fucking long to get the answers. It takes so long to get the answers to who Chad is. Like, uh, it, 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 oh, God, it takes so long, but we will eventually get there and okay. it will be and it will be satisfying. OK, yeah, girl, this whole thing is so crazy. It gets so crazy. But anyway, we're going to we're going to move on. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about my favorite characters, the heroes of this story. Timmy and Tabitha, Tabitha, Tabitha and Timmy. Tabitha. TNT. Yep. TNT. T- They're blowing shit up. TNT. They're here to blow this shit up. TNT. They are. They're a big fan of the Acme Corporation. Oh my God. Hilarious. (laughs) Hilarious. So at Tabitha's house, Timmy's like reading about that prediction that someone in harmony will die on the 20, the first day of the 21st century. Um, okay. And so they're, they are like, it's gotta be charity for whatever reason. Tabitha seems to think that she has to make this prediction come true. Yes. And not, not only does she have to make the prediction come true, she has now decided that charity is not enough and that it will be charity and Miguel. And Miguel, Miguel. Miguel has been grouped into this through no fault of his own. He's I, done nothing. Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm, Miguel is getting on my last nerve. I'm so over him. And when she said she was going to take his head too, I said, that's fine by me. I feel bad for Pilar and Teresa and Luis, but he, he got to go. I'm so over him. This it's charity. Like the spell that he is under with charity just makes no sense to me. She mm. is not interesting in any way. Yeah. I mean, she's very 
she's cute, but that's it. Like there's the nothing most else. Interesting, the most interesting thing about her is that she keeps almost dying. That yeah. is the most interesting thing about her. And if I was, if, if you had half a brain, you'd steer clear of that bitch. She has bad luck. She keeps almost dying and he keeps being the one to save her. So I think Miguel feels great being around charity because he constantly gets to be the hero. I, I mean, yeah, I get it. I get, I get it. I do not mind him be, being taken out of taken out of the equation. Like, let's they Romeo and Juliet them. That's fine with me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's fine All right. With me. Well, well, Tabitha is going to make her plan come to fruition. Uh, she has invited these children to her house. So ding dong. The witch isn't dead. Not the kids yet. are coming in the house. Yeah, they come in and she basically has invited them over because she wants to make sure this again makes no sense to me. Tabitha's plan here didn't make any sense for me. She wants to make sure that they go somewhere public for New Year's Eve. When like the plans for New Year's Eve, their original plans were basically that Kay was going to go over to Miguel's house. Charity was going to be like a home alone basically because Kay was going to go, not Kay, Jessica was going to go out babysitting and her parents were going to be gone. Tabitha could have gone into that house and killed her. (laughs) She could have just done that. Yeah. And we know Luis is not a very good detective, (laughs) you know, so uh, Sam and Luis would have never solved. Well, Sam might, he hates Tabitha, but honestly that would have been better. The thing. Okay. So passions keeps not explaining Tabitha's plan. She's like, Oh, I have a plan. We have to make it work. And then she tells a little bit to Timmy. She talks to Charity, Miguel, and Kay and makes the plan happen. And then we see her in a funny costume and the plan fails. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's kind of the formula that we're following right yeah. now. And the same thing happens here. So so we so I'm gonna go ahead and jump to the plan part. Essentially, yeah. Tabitha has decided that she is going to um dress up in a costume of being the grim reaper carry a very real scythe into this youth center dance where hopefully all the kids will be including uh miguel and charity and she will chop off their heads behead scythe behead them in public what is this plan what is this plan (laughs) what is this plan oh and to accompany her will be timmy dressed as baby new year it's not a costume party it's not halloween it's not a costume party and then like i have never in my life i guess it's like death to to the last year i guess kind of thing i don't know but that's not a tradition that i've ever really seen that people dress up as the grim reaper for new year's no and i'm personally offended because my last name is is reaper Reaper. (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding i'm not personally offended but like it's just don't fear the reaper um yeah, it, the whole thing is lunacy. It's just, it doesn't make sense, whatever. Like you pointed out, why not take Charity out when she's when she's alone and there's no one around her? You can just go in, do the deed, and get out. And why, be done why with make it. it. Why make it a public spectacle? I don't know. And so she is talking to Charity and Miguel, trying to make sure that they're out in public. So she can behead them in public for New Year's Eve. Um, And uh, then Miguel says, oh, it would be great if we could go to the dance, but we can't because Grace, uh, Mrs. Bennett, has this rule, this random rule about New Year's Eve where the girls, her daughters, aren't aren't allowed to go out on New Year's Eve. So we always just um, play video games like 
Kay always comes over to my house and we play video games and they're, they're not allowed to like go to any parties or whatever. So Tabitha says, but you must, you must go out, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're going to, you're going to miss out on this um, incredible occasion, which she's not wrong. It is the new millennium. Like it, yeah. it, Y2K was a big deal. I mean, yeah. we were like hunkered down at church. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> No, my family, my dad's a computer engineer and he's like, this is nothing. It's not going to happen. Well, like my, we're going to be fine. My mom had changed um, jobs at that point too. And so she was a computer um, programmer and she said, she talked about how they had spent so much time fixing the records though, so that nothing would happen. Yeah. Um, but like, I was still scared because all of my friends were like, I was so scared because so many of my friends had like stockpiled food and water and we didn't have anything. I was like, what are we going to do? It was like the one conspiracy theory that my parents didn't take to every, <laughs> everything since they've been like, Oh, it's going to be real. It's going to come true. It's like, no, it's not like you were, you, you got Y2K, right? Let's like, let's stick with that energy. <laughs> yeah, keep that same energy. <laughs> keep that same energy guys. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so Tabitha's not wrong. Y2K was like a big, big deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, the, the, the new millennium was a big deal. So yeah. I totally get like, why, why can't the kids go to a party at the youth center that's good they're gonna have chaperones Your, his older brother runs the thing like i i mean yeah, yeah i i totally agree with they should be able to go out and celebrate yeah they're like 16 17 yeah so you tabitha know? tells them don't worry i'm gonna talk to grace and maybe she'll change her mind and she does talk to grace and grace does change her mind Mm-hmm. Much to Kay's chagrin, I can't speak. Much to Kay's like begrudgment, because Kay was like, "There's no way my mom's gonna let them go, and I'm gonna spend the night with Miguel like I always do." But no, Grace came in and she changed her mind. She was like, "You all can go to the party," and Kay was like, "What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go to the party? What are you talking about? Yeah." So, so basically. Uh, Grace and the girls go into the house. They got to get ready to go to the party. This is when Tabitha's delivery from Acme comes. She gets the side. The costumes are delivered. I have to say we get a flashback to Tabitha <gasps> spending New Year's Eve with Rasputin. Oh he gives God. her a Fabergé egg. What the fuck? There's like a little Russian Timmy. <laughs> he gave her a Fabergé egg and they discuss... They discuss killing the Romanovs and then she tells him, you better leave one of them alive. That'll stir up controversy for years to come. And uh, so it's Tabitha's doing that. Anastasia, who is dead and was dead. The, yes. She got shot with the rest of them. Yes. But th- like that whole myth came to, to be in this universe is because of Tabitha. It's because of Tabitha. I love Tabitha, I Me know too. she's the. I know she's a villain. I fucking love her. What? What is What? What a great backstory. Are you kidding? Are you? I. I loved this. But she's the best kind of villain. Yeah. They also just like yeah. make out after talking about killing the Romanovs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tabitha and Rasputin. Oh my God, a love story for the ages. <laughs> ra ra Rasputin, lover of. Tabitha. Tabitha. <laughs> yeah. Tabby. Yeah. So the that little was Russian, The little Russian Timmy also just was amazing. So that's, so I think Tabitha does just make a new Timmy doll whenever the old one wears out. Yeah. And it, and it kind of her, whatever, whatever doll accompanies her throughout her excursions. Yeah. I think you're right. Cause there was a little, um, pilgrim one too. 
Yep. There was there because it. I think he was her attorney or her lawyer, yeah. her, ad, her advocate. Yes, he was. He was. All right. So over at the Bennett home, they're all getting all dressed up and everything. Grace's hair was hideous. She had the worst hair of anybody in this entire show at any point in time. This was the ugliest hairstyle (laughs) I've ever seen in my entire life. I have never seen her look worse. I have to say, it was very 1999-2000. It was very millennium. It definitely looked like Charity did her aunt's hair and sent her on her Mary. And Grace was too nice to undo what Charity did. It was all spiked up in the front. It was like, it, it was looked, so ugly. She, she looked terrible. She looked like a bird. She looked I, like a crazy, like, bird of paradise. She looked insane. And you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. I can't believe... Grace left the house looking like that. I just can't, I cannot believe it. She's a beautiful woman. Grace has a good head on her shoulders. Like, I don't understand. She dresses nicely. Like she looks good. Like she puts herself together. In what world would Grace Bennett leave the house looking like that? Girl, in this one, apparently I, she looked horrific. Horrible. Every time she came on the screen, I cringed. It, It brought tears to my eyes. It was, I, awful yeah i i and and eve's hair was was i won't say equally bad Mm. but it was pretty bad eve's hair was also very bad but it was not even close to how bad grace's was but eve's biggest problem was they had like gave given her these bangs these bangs (laughs) not the bang not the bang they had given her these fucking bangs and but they were far too. They were too far away from her forehead. They were like <laughs> flown out into space. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. It was so yeah. ugly. And then the rest of her hair was like teased. It was so disheveled. An inch of its life. Oh, and it was terrible. It looked so. It did. It looked so bad. It looked so bad on her face. Look, that shit ain't it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that shit ain't it, bitch. That shit ain't it, bitch. Oh my lord, I can't. Ugh. Cut it off, bitch. That shit, <laughs> that shit is ugly. No fuck. Not oh, the bang. Not the bang. The bang. The bang. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah, her hair was so bad. So It was rough. It was mm, rough. They were the worst looking people in the show. This, no, not true. Episodes. Not true. Charity. Charity was the worst. Okay, so everyone finishes getting ready. The girls are upstairs and, and they're like, Jessica's like, is it really worth it? And they're all like, yes, it's worth it. And the guys are downstairs uncomfortable in their tuxes and their suits. And they're like, is it worth it? And Sam and them are like, yeah, it's worth it. Like, I thought that was sweet. They're all like, yeah, it's fun to get dressed up and go have a nice time with like the people you love. Yeah, because Jessica asks the other girls, are guys really worth it? And they say, of course. And then Reese says to the other guys, like, are girls really worth it? And they're like, yeah, of course, because Reese and Jessica belong together. I think they might. They belong I think, together. I think they might. Yeah. Reese but- is the man when it comes to bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I Reese still remember turkey. that line. That's Harmony. the line I remember. Harmony's turkey. <laughs> so, yeah, they're all getting dressed and everything. And then the girls start to come down. Kay comes down first and she looks great. She looks, yeah. she looks wonderful. Yeah. Reese says, wow, Kay, you look great. And Kay's like, thanks. What do you think, Miguel? And Miguel flat out ignores her. He His, flat out ignore her, ignores her. 
Because his jaw is on the floor because Charity comes in and she is such a vision that he doesn't even hear what Kay says. Except, except that Charity comes down the stairs and looks exactly the same as always. Charity looks so terrible. This outfit she had on, what was she wearing? She had on a purple sweater and an orange creamsicle like satin looking skirt long skirt but it was like orange creamsicle colored but it also had red flowers on it and then she had like also had like a black shawl thing like what was she dressed for what event was she dressed for it it was it was unequivocally the worst outfit i have seen on this show thus far it was terrible and then simone comes down the stairs and i thought simone's dress was the best it was this beautiful ball gown this really rich deep orange color there was like gems across the top i thought she looked gorgeous grace came down other than her hair her dress was nice like charity they just didn't dress her up for new year's like everyone else was in a gown and she was in like a sweater with an like an ill-fitting sweater with a skirt that didn't match. I don't understand. She looked a hot ass mess. She looked ter- hideous. That outfit was hideous. And but he Miguel was, was like floored by her. He was just like, "Oh my gosh, you look so beautiful." He again. He they can take him. I Tabitha, Tabitha <laughs> can take him anytime now. <laughs> I, uh, he's ugh. I don't know. I can't believe how gaga he was about her. And I I was just annoyed that. Kay's supposed to be like your best friend and you just ignore her, fully ignore her. It's one thing like, I don't have any feelings for you, blah, blah, blah. But she asked you like, what do you think of my dress? And you flat out ignored her. I I took that as he, he didn't even hear the question because he was so awestruck by the beauty of charity. Which is absurd because she looked a mess and her hair was exactly how it always is. <laughs> she didn't look like she had put any effort into that look. No. no, she spent she all her like time. She looked like she put in negative effort. Like she didn't <laughs> want to look good. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was not cute. It was not cute. Not cute. So, Mm-mm. so anyway, so they they all head off to their parties. The kids are going to go to the youth center. The adults are going to go to the seascape restaurant, and <laughs> and on their heels. Uh, are Tabitha and Timmy dressed as baby new year and the grim reaper carrying a scythe, a weapon. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Crazy. I, again, I was like, what, what is this? She talked about it. Like it was some sort of tradition, like baby new year. Okay. Although he didn't even really look like baby new year. He looked like a new year's alien. He didn't even, he had on like that, thing with the antennas it was said 2000 but it just looked like antennas because oh, it was three zeros i got gotcha. you yeah. so he kind of looked like a weird alien in a, a white glimmery like robe yeah i i got his costume but i think that if i had seen him outside of the context as of tabitha dresses a grin reaper i probably wouldn't have liked it as much but next to her he looked great yeah i mean she, <laughs> uh, she's just walking around with a fucking weapon what's she gonna go harvest some harvest some grain on new year's eve yeah what the fuck so let's talk about the youth center very quick well not very quickly we got a lot of youth centers oh we gotta talk yeah so so let's talk about uh sheridan and hank and louise speaking of the youth center let's talk about the youth center's director shall we yes we shall 
So Sheridan is sitting in her cottage, daydreaming about Luis. She picks up like a model car that she has sitting out for some reason and remembers all of their interactions while sexy guitar music plays. It was the longest montage yet. I gotta be honest, it was my favorite montage of all time. I lo- I loved it. I loved it so much. I was like, yes, this is the this is the content I'm looking for. Passions, like you know, you remember how much I hated the Charity and Miguel montage. I loved this one as much as I hated that one. I respectfully disagree. I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was patently absurd. I thought it was very clear that they were just filling time and filling people in who maybe missed some stuff. I loved it. I want. I'm glad they filled me back in. I forgot some of those things. Uh, and I, I had like that tango music in the background. I loved oh, it. I I didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I I I do love when she snapped back to reality and she says, "Oh, I wonder what's gotten into me, Luis. Luis has gotten Luis into you. Luis has gotten into girl. you, girl. Well, Make not yet, love but to he me. will. But he will. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, make love to me." <laughs> Sheridan. Oh my God. Sheridan is so thirsty for Louise. I mean, I am too. Girl, me too. Ooh. Mm. I am full. I think uh, as excited as you are about to resign, Ethan, I, I am there with Sheridan and Louise now. Oh yeah. I am yeah. so there. It took me a while. I Let me make an official announcement. I have come around. I've come around. Sheridan is growing. I can't wait to see where she how she continues to grow. I'm in this love story. I'm like, I'm here for Shuis. I'm super into it. I love Sheridan and Luis. Love, yeah. love, love. This is one of the great stories. Teresa and Ethan are one of the great stories. Sheridan and Luis are, is, uh, to me, probably tops over yeah. Teresa and Ethan, even though I love the Teresa and Ethan stuff. But it does get very, like, one note, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but Sheridan and Luis, they they do keep it, they keep it uh, interesting. So Sheridan is like at the mansion looking around for her keys and she goes into the living room and she has like a quick little flash of like those old nightmares she used to have. And then she bucks off and she's like, it's like she takes a breath of fresh air or something. And she's just like, and she smiles and she's like, "Mm, those things don't bother me anymore. And then Pilar comes in and she's like, great news, Pilar. I'm not having my nightmares anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And, um... So Pilar's like, that's that's great. And then they kind of talk about Martin some. And then uh, Sheridan asks what Martin was like. And Pilar says he was exactly like Luis. He was honest and kind and would do anything for anybody and was generous, blah, 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 right? And Pilar tells Sheridan, she says, and you know, Hank is a lot like that too. I noticed that y'all are getting closer and that he seems to be very taken with you. And she tells him that he is a very good man. Pilar like leaves and Sheridan says to herself, Hank is wonderful, but he is not Luis. Which begs the question, is Hank wonderful? Girl, I said, what do you mean he's wonderful? Is Hank, would we use the word wonderful to describe Hank? I'm going to need some examples, please, where he's wonderful. wonderful. Something that, that, that is, that brings wonder Baby, you're gonna have to something that some... is mesmerizing and awe-inspiring and brings true wonder you're gonna have to give me some ah, specifics where is when ah, and where and what time when was ah, <laughs> is that hank i need hank? a time i need a time stamp on some wonderful things that hank has has done or when he has been wonderful i have not seen it half of the hank and frank duo <laughs> 
Hank and Frank. <laughs> Hank and Frank? Nah. Uh-uh. That shit ain't it, bitch. That shit no. ain't it, bitch. She was no. just being nice. She was yeah. just being nice. She knows he's not wonderful. He sucks. He's not Luis. He is definitely he's not, not Luis. Luis. He is the antithesis of Luis. Yeah. I, uh, well, not the complete antithesis, but ugh. He, he does not inspire those same feelings in me. I will say no. that. No, those sentiments do not exist for Hank. No, 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 no. So um, Sheridan meets up with uh, Ethan at the book cafe on her way to the youth center, I guess. This is, uh, she has a conversation with Ethan. Um, and he, this is where he invites her to the Seascape restaurant and mm-hmm. says, you should, you should go and invite the person you want to spend New Year's with, whoever that is. That's the person that you should inv- invite to come to the restaurant. And that's what inspires her to go to the youth center to find Luis. Yeah, because she's got him on the brain. She's like, I'm going to I'm gonna ask him out for New Year's. He'll probably, he'll probably say no, but I'm going to ask him out anyway. And she, like, she bills him as a mystery man to Ethan and Gwen also. Like, she doesn't say that it's Luis. She's just like, it's a, he's, you'll be, you'll just be surprised when you see him. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if that's, because she's embarrassed of Luis. I don't think that's what it is. I think maybe she's embarrassed of her feelings for Luis, a man who she thinks so clearly disdains her and her family and would never return those same feelings. Yeah. So she wants to go and ask him out. So uh, she heads over to the youth center. Yeah. And uh, so over at the youth center, <sighs> let's talk about Luis and Hank. Yeah, so while Sheridan is having her morning, Hank and Luis are basically doing the same thing. Luis is daydreaming about Sheridan. He's looking at those slides that she had given him for Christmas. And Hank basically interrupts this to check in on his friend and say, hey, like Sam mentioned the reports of Martin coming into town. Like, how are you doing with everything? Um, Are you ready to arrest your father if it comes to that? And Luis is like, well, there's a warrant out. I have to do my job. So I'm trying not to think about it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. He's like, whoever sees him first is who's going to arrest him. Whatever cop is on the scene is the cop that has to arrest him. And yeah. Yeah. Hank, like way to start the morning with the worst possible conversation, Hank. It's morning. It gets worse because then Hank sees the slides of of Spain and says, oh, muy, he says, muy, muy bonita. <laughs> muy, muy bonita. It's like very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, Hank. Come on. Like, what are they doing with this bullshit Spanish? I, I, girl, I do not know. I, I get offended every single time. It's it's so bad. So anyway, Hank tells um tells Luis how beautiful Spain is and he should go and experience it with a beautiful woman, someone he cares about, maybe someone like Beth. So Hank is on to the fact that there is something going on between Luis and Sheridan. Mm-hmm. And he is trying to distract his friend from from Sheridan because he likes her and he's using Beth as uh, like a surrogate for those feelings, basically. He's telling him how Beth and Luis are perfect for each other. You mm-hmm. all look so great together. And and one of the reasons he gives that Beth is perfect for Luis is that Beth took Spanish in high school. Ex fucking excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I took, took Spanish, Spanish in high school too. Does that mean I'm perfect for Luis? Yes. <laughs> great. Call me Galen. (laughs) Oh my God. Ridiculous. 
So, uh, yeah. So he also basically says that he and Sheridan are like a couple now. He's He starts in on that and he's like, yeah, look how wrong you were about me and Sheridan. It's like nobody was wrong about you and Sheridan. You're the only person who's wrong about you and Sheridan. You yes. are wrong. Yes. Wrong. And she has, to- despite her having told him on s- multiple occasions at this point that she is not interested in having anything um, serious with him or any other man right now. He still seems to think that she like is in love with him. Yeah, he misrepresents this entire thing. But we know that Hank is a liar. We know he's on the run from the F- from the FBI, guys. <laughs> from the FBI, okay? Not the police, not the Harmony cops. No, from the FBI. This man has a profile on Interpol. He's okay? on the FBI's most wanted list. Yes, this is a bad, bad dude. So he's, he's misrepresenting everything, including his relationship with Sheridan. And Luis flat out asks, like, well... Are you lovers? Are you really with this woman? And Hank sidesteps that conversation by talking about, well, not yet, but she came to church just to see me and spins this insane yarn about how, uh, whatever, he's a psychopath. He puts himself at the center of every story and just sees the people around him as pawns to use because Hank is fucking awful. He's Hank and Frank. They're one in the same. They're both the worst people ever. He had to do so many mental backfires flips to get to a scenario where Sheridan isn't is interested in him like he he says well on Christmas night she told me she was going home or on Christmas Eve she told me she was going home but then she decided to come to church without saying anything that she came to church because she wanted to see me she told me she was leaving and she knew I was going to church she also knew Luis was going to church right Right. She knew Pilar was going to church. She also, knew- it's Christmas. Everybody goes to church on Christmas. Look. Oops. I just knocked something over because I'm so like, <laughs> I'm gesturing so wildly. <laughs> Everybody goes to church on Christmas and Easter. Even people who don't go to church go to church on Christmas. Right? Like, mm-hmm. Maybe, Hank, maybe it's about the holiday and not at all about you. Not at all about you. It was mostly about Luis. <laughs> at the, like, what we know is that it was actually about Luis. Or maybe Sheridan going to church on Christmas was for Sheridan. But it wasn't. Remember, she literally was like, (laughs) she literally was like, oh, Luis is going to church and she decided to go to church. Yeah. She like fell fell in love with him that night. Yeah, she did. I mean, she was already falling for him, but it was like Christmas Eve was when she, I think she really realized that she loved him Mm -hmm. or is in love with him. Yeah, is falling in love with Luis, yeah. but Hank Hank doesn't want to see it. So nope, fucking Hank. So anyway, he's trying he's trying to get Luis to see Beth so that he uh, because he because Hank himself has his sights set on Sheridan. Yeah, well, <clears throat> and then Luis turns the conversation and says, you know, I don't even have any time for romance. I, you know, I'm having to take care of this home I'm you know with all the shifts at uh the youth center and I'm a police officer and you know he just runs down the list of all the shit he does he's like I don't have time you know he then mentions that he's like actually I need to go to the youth center because I'm throwing a party for the kids at the youth center for New Year's Eve they they begged me for a millennium party and I'm and I told them we would do it and again this was one of those moments where I was like is it New Year's Eve 
Or is it not New Year's Eve? I'll right. be, I mean, I know now that it was, but it didn't seem like it when they were talking right. about it. But anyway, right. so they head over to the youth center together to set up. And Beth is there. Fucking Beth is there to help out because she she has volunteered to spend uh, New Year's Eve with Luis at the youth center putting this party on together because I don't think she and Hank have like decided that they're going to try and get her back together with Luis. But I think they both see the same opportunity and have decided to take it. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So she she's there. And uh, she's like, I'm going to help. I'm going to do all the things I can do. She's, you know, she's just making herself available. Yeah. She's doing it. She's doing it. Beth in this moment is doing exactly what I would do. I would do what Beth was doing. It's not not like crazy. She's like putting herself in a position to be with Louise show him how useful she can be. You know what I mean? And how she fits into his life. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would be doing precisely what Beth is doing. Beth yeah. is Beth is the only reasonable person right now. <laughs> in, in between like Simone constantly following Chad around, with Teresa being truly dangerously obsessed with Ethan, Charity and Miguel having this weird like obsession for each other when they're both so boring and milk toast. Like, no, Beth is the only one who's doing this the right way. Hank following Sheridan around like a fucking lost puppy. So anyway, Sheridan arrives at the youth center because she has been spurred to action by Ethan to go invite the man of her dreams to spend New Year's Eve. And I think Beth tells her that Luis is in the storage closet getting something. Uh, it wasn't Beth. It was a kid. She a asked kid. a kid who where Luis was. And the kid's like, oh, Luis is, I'm pretty sure he's in the storage closet. So then Sheridan pulls a fucking Teresa. She pulled a Teresa. She goes mm-hmm. to the storage closet. The door is open. It is ajar. And instead of knocking or announcing herself or saying the person's name she's talking to, she just talks at the door. Or looking in. The door yep, is yep. wide. It's wide open. Just, just walking. Although I understood why she, because she was very nervous. Like So I knew yeah. she didn't want to face Louise. But she should have probably led with more than what she led with because she talks at this door she asks him out she says you're probably gonna say no anyway but there i i did it i asked and then hank comes out of the fucking closet he's like Uh. i would be i would be honored to go out with you on new year's eve and Uh. she takes a full-blown double take at him She yeah. look she literally looks around his head to look inside of the closet. <laughs> now and, now she looks. Now she fucking looks. Yeah. It is so ridiculous. Uh so ridiculous. So, so Sheridan has inadvertently asked Hank out for New Year's. And what do you do? You can't back you can't walk that back. You know? Yeah, especially considering the what that, that the two of them have been like kind of dating casually. Yeah. You know, it is very it's, tough. So she couldn't she couldn't uninvite him. But then Luis comes up and and Hank tells Luis like, oh, guess what? Sheridan just asked me out for New Year's Eve. And Luis looks a little hurt. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah. Oh, poor Luis. And Luis looks a little hurt. And this moment is what really solidified my hatred of Hank. He is so embarrassing 
<laughs> he's yeah, just embarrassing. He's such a fucking try hard, man. He's I, so he's just embarrassing because he's like, wow. You're taking me to the seascape restaurant? Oh, I'm going to go rent the nicest tux in town. It's just like, oh, it's just, I don't even know. Embarrassing. It's pathetic. It's sad. It's juvenile. It's, it's. Like what the fuck, Hank? Yes. Oh wow, that's I'm a, I'm so excited to be spending the evening with you at this beautiful place. I can't wait to dress up. Like, why is he saying it the way he's saying it? Yeah. He also like noticed that she was surprised to see him. He noticed yeah. it. He brought it up. He said, "Are you sure you meant to ask me out? You seemed surprised." I mean, you know, you he know he knew. He knew. He knew. And uh, she, of course, lies and said, no, yeah, I guess I meant to. I guess I meant to ask you, I guess. And um, then Beth comes in and makes everything oddly tense. Like, she (laughs) just makes everything so much more tense. She, like, grabs Louise and she just made me very uncomfortable. I wrote that. She made me really, really uncomfortable in that moment. Like... Well, Beth, um, I think Beth sees another opportunity and she's excited that Sheridan and Hank are spending New Year's Eve because that means they won't be around. So she and Luis can have even more time together and not have to deal with like the group. Um, And she definitely sees Sheridan as a threat. And she knows that Luis has feelings for Sheridan. She she clocked it before before Luis ever even fucking clocked it. Yeah. Like she clocked it early on. Right. So she definitely knows that she knows that Sheridan is a very real threat to her um, wanting a relationship with Luis for sure. So yeah, she just makes everything really uncomfortable. She like grabs on the Luis and talks about yeah. how like perfect she is for Luis and how perfect Hank is for Sheridan because they've traveled the world and all of this bullshit. Hank yeah. goes off to take it, go get his stupid fucking tux. And then Beth and Sheridan are left alone. Luis goes off, you know, sad because, you know, he loves Sheridan. Yeah. But, and, and and he doesn't have the heart to like tell Beth at this moment. Even though he's already told her he's not looking to be in a relationship. They broke up years ago. Yeah. They dated in high school and broke up and have not gotten back together since. They've hung out and they've maintained a friendship, which I think is great and very mature of them. He's not interested in her. If he was, they would be together. Yeah. So uh, Beth alone with Sheridan just like shares literally every feeling she's ever had in her entire fucking life. She <laughs> she shares every feeling with Sheridan with this stranger that she's ever had about Luis, about herself, about Hank, about anything. She has taken this opportunity to to tell Sheridan uh to back the fuck off and stay in her lane. That's what she's doing. In a right? nice way. In a nice way. She's doing it in a nice way. She's saying, you know, Luis and I have this long history. I'm really hoping we can pick up where we left off. I think it's amazing, um, you know, that we're so similar. We we, I, we know so much about each other. It's just so clear we're meant to be together. You know, she's really driving the point home mm-hmm. that she has staked her claim mm-hmm. and Sheridan had better back off mm-hmm. or be prepared to fight. Yep. Don't cross this line with me, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what Beth is doing. Yeah, so um, 
Sheridan gets one quick moment alone with Luis and she starts to try to explain to him what's going on, but she doesn't get the chance. Like you can tell she wants to tell him, but he gets called away. And so she's not able to tell him like I meant. To. She really obviously was about to tell him I was going to ask you out, which I think is the best is the best course of action for Sheridan. Not necessarily to tell Hank like I wasn't asking you out because that I mean. Yeah, but yeah, let, you can't you, renege. But, you can't do that. But if you have feelings for Luis and you you want to clear this up as quickly as possible, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think you say, look, I thought you were in the closet. Um, I <laughs> I kind of asked out the wrong person. Like, I feel like so silly about it. But I'm obviously going to spend the night with, you know, at the, having dinner with Hank and everything. But maybe you and I can can get together after the new year. Yeah. So Sheridan then goes home to get dressed up as well. Yes, she does. So the, so everyone else at this point basically arrives at the youth center, um, to help with preparations for the dance. So, uh, like Teresa and Whitney are there working on a banner. Sam and TC are there putting things together. Chad is setting up the sound system. Eve is mad that her daughters are there and Chad is in the same room. So she kind of yells at them and it's like, that was like, so what are you stupid. doing Eve? Why are you yelling at your daughters for being in the same room? Like they're not even talking to him. Ugh, Eve, needs, Eve needs to get off the high horse. The Chad thing is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And at one point, Whitney actually kind of tries to stand up to her mom and says, Mom, I don't think Chad is dangerous. Like he, you know, but be, but Eve persists. She's like, he's not the, he's the kind of boy that would say anything to do to get what he wants. And I want better for my daughters, blah, blah, blah. She, she really needs to let this one go, especially now that I'm like, what, what Eve doesn't seem to know anything about Chad. I thought she knew something about him. Yes, I thought there was like a secret that she didn't want coming out. And that's why she was trying to keep her daughters away from Chad. But it turns out she just truly doesn't trust him for no reason. She doesn't like him and she has no reason for it. And there actually is. I mean, there is a big, big secret, obviously, and so are they trying to make us think that Eve just has a bad feeling about him and part of it is because of this secret and like maybe somewhere deep, deep down she knows what it is? Maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't know because the reaction is so big and strong. and she, It's very unclear. And they have painted her as like this saint character, as this saintly character. And... um this the way she talks about him and treats him is evil it's like flat out evil yeah everyone talks about her like you said like she is a saint they call her saint eve right like we learn that that's her nickname but everything that we have seen about eve is completely the opposite we have seen that she is keeping a huge secret from her family that no one knows about that she that tc has some weird shed they're keeping secrets from each other (laughs) she won't she won't let her daughters be near this boy for no reason she ran over orville hit and run hit Mm -hmm. and run hit and run okay like she actually might be the villain she might be the villain she didn't lock martin in the basement but she might be the villain there's just multiple villains i guess i guess so there's so many villains and tabitha is not one of them (laughs) tabitha is not one the only villainous shit that she did was she she killed that innocent guy at yeah. the gas station. That was pretty fucked up. That was pretty fun. <laughs> that was pretty but fun. otherwise, she just wears cute costumes. Yeah, she hasn't actually hurt Charity. I mean, yeah. she did kill her mom. She did kill oh. Grace, too. I mean, not oh, Grace, yeah, I forgot. Faith. Faith. Uh, yeah. Although, 
Faith had every opportunity to get out of the house. Faith was very <laughs> irritating. And the only reason I'm sad that she died is because of Grace. I feel and bad the, that Grace lost her sister. And Tabitha kind of set that fire by accident. That candle just fell into actually, the box. I was going to say Faith did it when she knocked into the candle, but I don't actually remember if that's what happened or if I just want that to happen. No, I'm pretty sure. I want, I'm doing everything I can to absolve Tabitha. <laughs> <laughs> they were like in a struggle. So it was both of them. It was, yeah, and they yeah. knocked the candle into the box. Whatever. Um, so Tabitha, I mean, she has she has had some moments, but overall, <laughs> she's not the she's, worst. <laughs> she's no Eve. She's no Eve. She's no Julian. She's no Alistair. Mm. But um, so yeah, they're all doing this whole thing at the youth center. Uh, TC and Sam go outside to like hang a banner, and they have a whole conversation about the cranes. Uh, that was really interesting. Well, it wasn't really interesting, but they both are so unsuspecting of what's going to happen tonight. It's it just made me laugh because they're just like, well, thank God we don't have to deal with the cranes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> little do they know. Yeah. And, little do they know. And um, Sam, Sam tries to um, get tc to tell him about his issues with julian but say but Ju- but tc's not ready to s- tell him what's going on tc just keeps saying that if he ever finds out what he thinks he knows like the if he ever gets the evidence of what he thinks he knows he'll kill julian crane like he just keeps saying that yeah he's so. like that bastard better stay away from me yeah he literally says julian julian's nothing but a low life bastard in a brooks brother's suit so they're good out there line. doing that bullshit it was a good line um, and then yeah. Sheridan shows back up. And then sh- and then Sheridan shows back up. I think she went to get like grab a coffee with Hank or something. No, she went and changed clothes. She went home, put on her gown. Oh. She came back in her gown. Oh, right, 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 right. I she forgot. Brought, yes. Like catered Sher- food. Yes. Yes. Sheridan shows up. She's she uh basically she wanted to be beautiful and show Louise how good looking she is. Uh and she shows up in her beautiful gown. She's brought uh catered food and she says there's gonna be a few surprises throughout the night. You know, I wanted to make sure that this is really special. It's a new millennium, this is a big deal. So I'm I would like to, you know, do what I can to make it special for the kids. And um Chad tries out the sound system and Sheridan and Luis have a very sexy dance. <laughs> Sensual slow dance. Like it's beautiful. This was this was also just so weird. Hank is so weird. So Chad wants to test out the sound system so he plays like an upbeat song first and uh, Hank turns to Beth and says hey can I have this dance let's dance together and then they start like dancing on the floor and then he yells to Luis and Sheridan like uh, y'all, aren't y'all gonna dance? We'd feel really silly dancing by ourselves. So then Sheridan and Louise start to like do part of the upbeat dance, but as soon as they start dancing, Chad plays a slow song, and they, yeah, they share a, a beautiful little dance together, and uh, it was very sweet. It was romantic. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. And then Sheridan very hesitantly leaves the youth center. She tells she tells Louise that she would much rather spend New Year's Eve with him and the kids there at the youth center, but she has to go. Hank's really looking forward to going to this stupid fucking party. 
I love all... I love this because Hank is like, well, I can like pick you up or whatever. And she's like, no, I will meet you there Uh, because he has to go home and get ready. Still, he hasn't changed, put on his tux or anything. She's like, I'll take I'll drive myself. I'll meet you there. Like She is so clearly not interested at all. She doesn't want to spend any time alone with him at all. She doesn't like him. She also doesn't want to lead him on. You know yeah. what I mean? I think that's yeah. part of it too. So, um, cause Sheridan's a good person. She <laughs> as is. Much as, as much as I was loathed to say it before, she is. She's a good person. She is doing she's doing her best to overcome her deficiencies. Yeah. All of those defi- all of those deficits that happened because of the family she grew up around who then shipped her off uh, to be raised by nuns in a psych ward. Um, you know, she's really doing everything she can to overcome that. So I like, again, my announcement, I was wrong about Sheridan and I like her now. I same ditto. So honey, <laughs> Sheridan is leaving the youth center. She walks out. She's standing like on the threshold of this building. She looks to her left and she sees somebody trying to get into her car. She says, hey, that's my car. What the hell are you doing? And then it's Martin. Martin like pops up from behind the car and like points a gun at her. And she just stands there and she goes, Martin Fitzgerald, what are you doing here? And then he walks over to her fairly slowly, to be honest, grabs her and kidnaps her. Now, my problem was, girl, you are on the threshold of this building. There's a building full of people, including a police officer. Turn your ass around. Run. He was on the other side of her car. He was uh, far away from her, far enough that she could have gone back into the building and gotten help. Yes, except he kidnapped her at gunpoint. He had a gun on her. She should... Laura, if somebody is pointing a gun at you from... I don't know, 30, 40 feet away. Do you stand there or do you tr- do you duck and dodge? No, I duck and dodge and I run back to the building and I lock the doors and I tell Louise what's going on. You, she but stood I, there. But I am not Sheridan and Sheridan is not me. She's, Look, fight, fight or flight, right? I, I'm going to... She well, did actually, neither. She, she did fucking neither. Be, I didn't finish it. It's flight... Sorry, it's fight, flight, or freeze. Those okay, are the three. she froze, I guess. She froze, yeah. There's three reactions, fight, flight, or freeze. I would actually fight. I would <laughs> uh, um, fly. You would fly, and Sheridan would freeze, and that's what we saw. When I say I would be gone, I would have been, he would have been, oh, I thought she, she must be the Flash. She was gone so fast. Ooh, <laughs> I can move fast when my life is in danger. I can really, really get these old legs moving. But uh, <laughs> or even even just the thought that my life is in danger, like literally the the pace at which I will move when I hear a dog bark or when I when a bee comes near me. It's crazy when you hear the flapping of a bird's wings. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I've never seen you move faster when the, when there's a pigeon afoot. <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's so true. I hate birds. Ugh. I mean, they're important they're very important, but I'm terrified of them. Um, Birds are important. <laughs> <laughs> if you get anything from this podcast, I hope it's that. Birds, Birds are, are important. important. Yeah. So, yeah, he kidnaps her at gunpoint and he dr- he makes her drive to the Seascapes restaurant, which is what you know is what? he doing? What is he doing? But also, what is it's he like, doing? It's like, that's where she was headed anyway. It's like, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't even an inconvenience for me. Like, I'm not even going to be late. <laughs> Minus the fact that I'm, you know, on the wrong end of a gun. Yeah. I, uh, I still don't feel like the writers were clear enough to me about Martin's 
goal? What is his objective? Like, what is his, what is it that he wants? I have no clue. I have no clue. He he keeps saying that he wants what is owed to him, but he is going about it the entirely wrong way. So he wants money. He That's wants, what he keeps I, I mean, saying. He, but his actions tell me otherwise. How does he think taking Sheridan to a party and how does he know Julian's going to be at this party? Like, how does he think he's going to get money? Like, I, I, is this just a shitty hostage situ- situation? Like, that he thinks he's going to end up on winning? I have no clue. But I have... Yeah, I, I don't know, Laura. I, I, it do, he does keep saying he wants money, but I, he's doing all the wrong things to get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, at this point, I think we should go back to the youth center. Yes. Right? Because... Um, a kid comes in after Sheridan gets kidnapped by Martin. A kid comes in and says, Luis, you got to come. I saw a blonde lady being forced into a car by a scraggly old man with a gun. <laughs> and they said, like, what car was it? And he's like, it was a fancy gold car. And they're like, oh, it's Sheridan. So he and Hank go off in hot pursuit. And, you know, they're like, he he also immediately deduces that it's Martin. Right. Like he immediately is like, it's Martin. He took Sheridan. Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, it makes sense, though, because there have been multiple police reports that Martin has been cited on his uh, heading east. And so Sam is is ready. He's he's been telling Luis, like, you know, Martin might be here. They've brought it up enough. I I don't think that it's a leap for Luis to think that Martin just kidnapped Sheridan. Yeah, it's not it's not that big of a leap. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, he goes off in hot pursuit. Meanwhile, like all the kids start showing up for the party. Right. And throughout these entire five episodes, there has been this one thing that has kept coming up. And there was this article that the girls had read. All of the girls in this town have read in whatever stupid magazine. Everyone with a vagina read it, including like Tabitha, like everybody, (laughs) every single person. In Harmony, who identifies as female, read this fucking article. So in in the article, it says that the person whose arms you are in at midnight on the New Year's, the person you're destined to spend the rest of your life with. And they say it so many fucking times that it means something, right? Like, if one person had said it, it doesn't really mean that much. But every woman in this town has said it at this point. And so it's like, this is a new rule in this in this stupid fucking universe now. Like whoever they're in the arms in whoever's arms they're in is the person they're going to spend maybe not the rest of their life with, but at least a good amount of time coming up. The rest of the year. They say specifically the rest of the year. Yeah. So, Oh Lord. So let's get into what happens. All of these girls are like, I'm going to be in Miguel's arms. I'm going to be in Ethan's arms. I'm going to, you know, each respective woman with the person, the man she's obsessed with right now. Right. I'm going to be in Luis's arms. I'm going to, you know, just whatever. Yeah. Oh, Lord. That, so, that's basically the setup for the kids. Um, so, so Charity and Miguel are kind of dancing, having a nice time. Reese is trying to dance with Kay, who keeps you know, shooing him off. Yeah. Um, Simone keeps wanting to talk with Chad. Uh, and Kay tells Simone, like, just help me do this one thing to make sure that I am in Miguel's arms at midnight. And all, uh, we learn that the big plan is just to turn the lights out. Yep. That's it. She. Uh, that's all it was. Just turn out the lights. Yep. So 
So that's so that's basically the setup. Um, Tabitha and Timmy arrive, <laughs> and it is no shock that Beth immediately approaches them because Beth. Be- so Beth knows that Luis and and Hank have left, so she's basically in charge, and she immediately comes up to these two and says, "You can't come in. This is not a costume party." Uh, and then starts to walk away, but then turns around and says, "Wait a minute." Sheridan did say that there are going to be other surprises throughout the night. You guys must be part of her surprise. Come on in. Come on in to the room full of children. Please bring your weapon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, this woman has a terrifying weapon. Beth even points out that the scythe is really scary and it looks dangerous. And she still lets her come on in. And yeah, so Tabitha and Timmy are living it up at this party. Timmy's having a real good time. He's just like standing at the snack table, dancing and eating. Timothy, Timothy, I keep calling him Timothy. <laughs> Timmy is me. Timmy is me. Just alternating dancing and eating and yep. dancing and eating. Like Timmy's a good time. Timmy is a good fucking time. Just like so, you. Thank you. <laughs> I think I think we can go to the place where the lights go down mm-hmm. and we start the countdown yeah absolutely yes they, right. it's 10 9 8 simone turns off the lights and uh then the lights go down it's the new year basically we count down three two one and uh whitney has tripped over a cord and fallen backwards into chad's arms miguel like I'm sorry I can't even fault Kay for this this is Miguel's fault this This is is totally Miguel's fault Miguel has walked up behind Kay and like put his arms around her mistaking her for charity some fucking how Miguel I mean um Kay is like a solid four inches taller than charity yeah, Kay's and she's tall. a brunette, and she's got much longer hair. She's wearing a completely different dress. It's not that dark in this gym. Like it was bright enough that Simone could see Whitney with Chad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, Reese is with Charity, but he he's not holding her. Right. Yeah. He he mistakes. He also. I think my dad's coming in. He also mistakes. Um, charity for k it just doesn't make any sense yeah like and the the whole setup is stupid too because miguel was like oh your noisemaker isn't working charity let me go get you another one it didn't it did it didn't make any sense this whole scenario was ridiculous but that's how it happened so simone like i said is dark it's too dark for miguel to see that Kate is not charity, but it is bright enough for Simone to see Whitney with Chad. So then they have this whole fight because Simone's like, Chad is mine. Don't you dare. I think Simone can see like how Chad looks at Whitney and honestly how Whitney looks at Chad. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a secret. They, I don't know. They're pretending to hate each other, but they clearly don't. Yeah, there's clearly an attraction. Chad is constantly egging Whitney on and and enjoys enjoys getting a rise out of her. You know, and Whitney can't seem to keep herself away from Chad as much as she says and claims that she wants to. She is constantly around him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Simone definitely definitely is threatened and and fights with her sister. 
yeah, about it. Yeah, she and she says some kind of mean things to Whitney. Like, yes, You've she does. You've never had a boyfriend, and no boy's ever kissed you before. Like, she, she's kind of mean to Whitney for honestly no reason. Whitney tripped. Chad called her. She calls her sister pathetic. Yeah. Simone tells Whitney that she is pathetic. Yeah. And and Chad kissed me, but he is not interested in you because Chad gave Simone a little peck on the cheek. I think he saw how upset she was. And like and so anyway, Simone takes this to mean that Chad is in love with her and all this other stuff. And Whitney points out it was just a friendly peck on the cheek. And she tells Simone, you wouldn't know a kiss if it danced naked in the street. <laughs> I I kind of hate that this relationship is being torn apart by a boy. I, yeah. I really hate that. I hate that trope. Yeah. And I hate, like, nobody else's family relationships are being torn apart like that for because of a man or a woman. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the Lopez Fitzgeralds are going to remain tight no matter no matter what, right? And I feel mm-hmm. like Kay and Jessica they fight but it's not I well, Kay's so crazy if it, if if Jessica even No. Kay would kill Jessica in a, in heartbeat, a heartbeat if she if she knew she could get away with it. Yeah. She, she, she wants would, that she, she wants that room for herself. <laughs> She'd kill her sister to have her own room. I don't I'm not even would, kidding. I don't think she would kill her to have her own room. I but do. If, but if Je- but if I think it would be a perk of um of <laughs> killing Jessica because if Jessica ever thought for half a second about liking even liking Miguel like not even being in a relationship with him just starting to have any kind of feelings towards Miguel I think she if would Jessica, she would kill her sister and bury her in the backyard if, if Jessica <laughs> told Kay yeah Miguel's kind of cute he looks good in that sweater she's gone she's she is she's gone you dead girl she's gone she's under the porch where's Jessica whatever happened know. to Jessica I don't know mm, she's gone she's gone who, no. Jessica who Je- <laughs> she made a fatal mistake she complimented she complimented miguel <laughs> yeah um, so yeah so these these i don't i don't know yeah, i have nothing they, to they, say yeah they they would fight over a boy well sure jessica would. wouldn't but Kay would kill her oh we have to talk about tabitha's plan Oh, because yeah. she, she so okay. Oh my god, I forgot. So the lights have gone out. They're doing the countdown. Tabitha takes a swing at the person that she thinks is Charity, but it's actually Kay because Kay is in Miguel's arms, right? Yeah. And, and so Tabitha goes to take a swing with her scythe and chop off their head, but she fucking misses because of the dark. And then the blade of the scythe goes limp yeah it just becomes rubber <laughs> like the ed medication just wore off <laughs> and the scythe goes limp i don't know what else to say yeah no i i wrote the exact same thing yes the the it, it is limp for and for no reason at all it seems and i was like well is it an acne act is this like an acme company like joke that none of their things ever actually work or what but she then goes outside and that stupid angel appears to her and is like yep i did that basically uh but she also tells her somebody else died tonight not not miguel and not charity somebody else and uh she was like the prediction did come true and she was like sad and she's like 
Tabitha's like, who? Who was it? So let's find out, shall we? Who died? Let's let's find out. We the have to angel, go to the seascapes to find out. I do I do have to say one thing. The mm-hmm. angel does tell Tabitha that charity could be lost <gasps> to the dark side. So I want to see evil charity. I would like that. I could yeah. get into. I could that get into that. would be interesting. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yes. So the angel tells Tabitha charity could be lost to the dark side. And so Tabitha and Timmy are like, great, we've got a new plan. They high five. <laughs> and they're like, fantastic. They And they decide to go spy on charity. Yeah. So anyway, yes, we got to go to the Seascape restaurant. Yes. Let's go back to the Seascape restaurant. Um, uh, sh- Let's go inside first and then we'll deal with Sheridan and Martin. Sure. Does that sound good? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So first, let's talk about Teresa showing up to the Seascapes restaurant. Oh, Teresa. Teresa shows up. She's like, fate, don't fail me now. Fate's on my side. She just stands outside of the dining room for a while until uh, Ethan and um, Gwen actually spot her. And Gwen is gleeful, positively gleeful. She's like, look, hmm. Look, she's alone. Surprise, surprise. I knew it. Yeah. They all they bring her over to the table or whatever. And Teresa's like, oh, he's he'll he'll be here. I, I told him he said he's coming. She lies, of course. She lies and then makes an excuse to go call her boyfriend. Oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go call him and make sure everything's all right. And she calls order- Whitney. She calls Whitney in order to avoid having to deal with Gwen and her smug face. She calls Whitney. Whitney, Whitney just tells her like, the same thing Whitney always tells her, which is like, what did you expect? <laughs> Why did you go? Yeah. She tells her, leave the Seascape restaurant and come to the youth center. <laughs> yeah. So then, but then Teresa is still somehow convinced that everything is going to work out in her favor. Yeah. So she hangs up the phone and she tells Ethan she didn't get an answer you know, so either my boyfriend's in the shower getting ready or he's in the car on the on his way. And oh, girl, girl, and then some guy named Drew comes over to this table <laughs> and Ethan <laughs> and um, Gwen know him there. He's an old friend of theirs, right? He's an old frat boyfriend Ugh. because he and Ethan were in the same fraternity. I I'm liking them less and less. Of course. Of course. Ethan's in a fucking fraternity. Of course he is. So. Ugh. Uh, this Drew character comes over and he's clearly like taken with Teresa, right? Like he's clearly um, smitten with her and think, I mean, she's the most beautiful woman in that room, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he introduces himself to her and then um, a song comes on, a very generic song comes on, but then Gwen says, oh, Ethan, they're playing our song. That would be your song. This generic ass song would be your song. It would be this random, in- this random instrumental would be your song. That makes sense. So he's like, they're playing our song. We should dance. So they get up to dance and Drew asks Teresa to dance. And um, she she's like, OK. And Gwen says, well, wouldn't your boyfriend be jealous if he came in and saw you dancing with another guy? And Teresa just like smiles and looks at her and says, he's not the jealous type. And starts to dance with this guy. Right. But then immediately the MC or announcer or whatever comes over the loudspeaker and says it's that time of the night to change partners and get acquainted to the to the couple with the couple to your left what what (laughs) what is that a thing I'm an adult you can't tell me who to dance with if I don't want to dance with the dude on my left I'm not going to right what I was like what is it was 
so unbelievably absurd. <laughs> like it, it was such it was such a stretch, such a reach just to get Teresa and Ethan's arms. It worked. It really it worked. I mean, it worked. I laughed. I, I laughed too. I laughed. Teresa's da- Teresa is there dancing with Ethan and Gwen is right next to him in Drew's arms glaring at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they stop their dance or whatever. And then Pilar, of course, of course, Pilar is at this party. She, she's always constantly working somewhere. So Pilar's mm-hmm. there. She's working the coat rack or whatever, the coat room, she says. Mm-hmm. And she kind of pulls Teresa aside. Teresa's upset that fate hasn't worked out in her favor yet. <laughs> she's like, what the fuck, fate? What the fuck are you pulling? It's almost midnight and I'm supposed to have my time in Ethan's arms. And, and... Pilar tells her, just tell this man the truth. It's just, she's giving her the same advice. You know, just give it up, Teresa. Give it up. But nope. Also, Pilar gets no breaks. Because also, uh, Ivy's at this party acting a damn fool, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) Ivy is so dead set on getting back with Sam. Sam and TC are in the corner being pissed off because they figured it out. Oh, this is just a ploy. We're all seated at the same table. This yeah. is bullshit. So Pilar's dealing with her crazy daughter. She's the lovable lunatic. She's dealing with crazy Ivy. It's who's just in, insistent on blowing up her life. Yeah. Poor Pilar. The, the, oh, and I felt so bad for Eve once she realized what was actually happening. So the yeah. the Bennetts and the Russells show up while Teresa is there dancing and all of this. They show up during all of that time, right? And um, they go to, to the table and they see, they are stopped in their tracks by seeing the cranes sitting at their table. And they're like, wait, what is this? I thought Millicent was supposed to be putting this all together. And then Ivy says, oh, she, something came up for her. She's sick. So she asked me to step in. I never could have known that it was you, blah, blah, blah. But what, what great twist of luck, blah, blah, blah. And Eve's face, because Eve is not an idiot. She got it figured out. Like she figured out, she doesn't know I don't think she knows what Ivy is up to, but she obvi- it's obvious that this was all a ploy to like play with them. You know what right. I mean? Just like Christmas Eve, just like that stupid dinner party. Yeah. This, this scenario just keeps coming up. It's the same thing that has happened again and again. She has, you have now been, this time though, you've been just flat out tricked. And yeah. uh, ugh, I felt, I like you said, that was a big honor and it's, she was so excited about it. But also Eve's a villain, so... Yeah, yeah, but th- but this is but this kind of treatment is what turns a person into a villain. Yeah, well, she hit Orville with her car, so yeah, <laughs> as far as we know, yeah. yeah, pretty sure, pretty sure of it. Yeah, so at this point, we um, two things happen. One, we have an Eve flashback to where she is in bed on New Year's Eve years ago with Julian, mm-hmm. which I did not need to see. I didn't need to see it. I didn't need to see it. I don't like that I saw it. I hate that passions made me watch it. Uh, uh -uh. Uh-uh. 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 Yeah. Also, Uh -uh. can we also talk about how upset Julian was at this whole situation? Because he had no clue that the Russells and the Bennets were coming. He had absolutely no clue. And when they showed up, he was pissed. (laughs) That's the other thing I wanted to talk about is how how 
like uh, blindsided he was by this. And he he said some shit about what we're now we're going to ring in the new year with these rednecks and some brewskis. I don't want to spend time with the working class. What's next? A Super Bowl party. (laughs) (laughs) He made a lot of really snide (sighs) remarks and he pulls Ivy to the side and then he says, oh, what are you up to, Ivy? And then he says, I know, it has to do, you know, he's like, oh, Sam Bennett. And so Ivy Ivy seems to think that maybe she's caught. But then Julian lets slip that, oh, it might work in my favor that Sam is here, the chief of police is here, so he'll be out of my way. And Ivy's like, out of your way for what? And he tells her in that room full of people that he had kidnapped kidnapped Martin Fitzgerald at gunpoint and is keeping him in the basement. (laughs) And Ivy's, Ivy, Ivy through clenched teeth are like, is like, you're choosing this moment to tell me this information? What the fuck is wrong with you? These people, these people, he's like, yeah, I was, I was planning on slipping out. You, you're going to have to cover for me at midnight. I'm going to slip out and I'm going to get Martin out of the basement and get him out of town, basically. And she's like, I mean, what can she do but go along with it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what choice does she have? She, she has a choice. Uh, the thing about Ivy is she always makes like, the wrong choice though because like she had a choice she didn't have to marry julian she would have had a much different life but she didn't have to marry julian she chose to and then with this she could blow things up for julian at any moment she really could but she's worried about ethan's future right but she could like she could tell chief bennett right now martin fitzgerald is in the basement of our house ivy never does the thing that would benefit her in the long in the long term she's so short-sighted um and that's always been her issue and that's her issue now that's why she's pursuing sam now is because now she wants him yeah where after 20 years ago she didn't at that time she wanted julian and the life that came along with julian crane and and yeah ivy so after learning this information ivy still just like goes about her business of trying to ensnare Sam. She manages yeah. to, she manages to get him alone and uh Sam basically tries to tell her what's what. He's like stay, he's pissed too. He's like stay away from me, stay away from my family. And uh but then you know we what? get a flashback. Yeah, we get a flashback to them having their New Year's Eve. On the New Year's, but remember I thought they had like a summer love. That's what they told us, that they met on the beach and they had a summer romance. But then we got a Thanksgiving flashback. We got a New Year's flashback. Is Sam deluding himself to think it wasn't what it was? I don't know. Or is there, it might just be an inconsistency. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, I do have to say, the Sammy doth protest too Too much. much. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. He doth protest too much. So, um... I think at this point, we should talk about where Sheridan is. Yes, we must. She's been kidnapped by good old MF. Yeah, Martin has like forced her at gunpoint up onto the roof of the Seascapes restaurant. What does he Why? want? What Why? Does he Why? <laughs> what does Why? he want? Why are they on the roof at the Seascapes restaurant on New Year's Eve? Why? I don't know. Someone tell me why. He has forced her onto the roof of this restaurant. Okay. And he's holding her at gunpoint. He tells her not to to say anything. Um, 
Meanwhile, Luis has tracked them to the seascapes, sees her car there and thinks, oh, well, this is where she was planning to go to. So she must not have been kidnapped. And he walks around, uh, turns around and heads back to the youth center. But Sheridan manages to yell, Luis, help from the the roof. And Luis, of course, bounds up the the ladder. And so he's standing there on the ladder and he's he doesn't come all the way up onto the roof. He just basically peeks his head over and he like points his gun at Martin. And then Martin tries to manipulate him emotionally and calls mm. him son. You wouldn't shoot your own father. This man is not his father. This, this man, man is not, is his, not father. his father. Yeah, we, the, the show the show has not told us that, but the show has done everything to obscure his face from Pilar, which which tells me it's not it's not the right man because Pilar would would call it out immediately. Yeah. So this is not his father. No, this dude tries to manipulate Luis, talking about how awful the cranes are and how they ruined his life. He says they ruined your mother's life. All of this stuff. He's like, you're gonna would you choose a crane over your own flesh and blood? Blah blah blah. And Luis says, don't make me choose because I will always choose the right thing. Right. And always. Martin Martin seems to think that means he's gonna choose him. Martin Martin also tries a different tactic. He says, uh, I'm not going to hurt Sheridan. I just need to get what I need to leave. You know, the minute I do, I will release her. Everything will be fine. Like, you know, you know, he keeps trying different tactics to manipulate Luis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so all the while he's like holding Sheridan at gunpoint. And he's walking backwards on this roof. You're on a roof. You're on a snow, a snow covered roof. You're on a roof. So he's walking backwards. (laughs) And (laughs) Luis is like, watch out. You don't, don't, don't walk backwards. Like you're going to trip, blah, blah, blah. And he does trip and starts to fall backwards. And he reaches out his arm and Sheridan reaches out her arm. And Luis grabs Sheridan's hand and pulls her to him and lets Martin fall to his death through a skylight into the Seascapes restaurant. Oh my God. It was bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. It was bananas. It was absolutely the wildest thing. It was like, it. I've in that moment, I felt like I was watching Die Hard. Yeah. In that moment, I was like, this, they have elevated what, this soap opera was yeah, to was a like new cinematic. to a new level the glass shattering and falling in slow motion the old line zang is playing in the background yeah and um when martin falls into the restaurant everybody's reactions you see everybody's reactions in slow motion and it's also very awesome um, it was it was so beautifully shot yeah it really was they did a really good job yeah, on they, this they pan around the room we see because everyone is shocked by what is happening. They don't really understand it. They just hear a loud noise. There's a crash. There's glass falling everywhere. So Eve takes a step back and kind of falls into Julian's arms. Ivy turns and buries her face in Sam's chest. Uh, what else? What else is happening there? Uh, Teresa was with Ethan grabs Teresa. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> Everybody's just shocked. But uh, yeah. so so the first thing is, let's run these down. At at uh, midnight, 
because that happens at midnight. He falls at the stroke of midnight. The, he falls through that thing at midnight. Like that is, you know, you have like a ball dropping. They had a body dropping. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Let the bodies hit the floor. Hit the floor. Let the bodies, Let the bodies hit, the hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> no, so Martin's body definitely hit the floor. He hit it hard. But um, yeah, let's run these down. So at midnight, Ivy is in Sam's arms. Eve is in Julian's arms. Sheridan is in Louise's arms because he's grabbed her. Um, the Teresa is in Ethan's arms. Whitney's in Chad's arms. Kay is in Miguel's arms, like all of these different people. And we've talked about multiple times at this point, whoever's arms you're in at midnight, that's the person you got to spend the rest of the year with. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they brought all of that up for a reason, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, they're, they're telling us of what is to come. But a little I, foreshadowing. I also want to say, Eve is a doctor. She just stands there looking at that man on the floor. I know <laughs> for she's a long shocked. time. Yeah, I know she's shocked. And like the first initial like step back away from like whatever this commotion is makes complete sense. But once you see it's a human body there like bleeding out, shouldn't she jump into action? You are the only doctor in this town. And it also, took her a while. Also, you're doctor of the year <laughs> according to the, the party year. you're at. You're doctor of the year <laughs> and you can save this man. Like, <laughs> It's not a great look. <laughs> yeah it <laughs> yeah so it takes it takes them all a long time to jump into action and i don't think eve is the person who checks for a pulse isn't it sam no she does eventually oh she does okay e- eve eventually she, she goes over and checks to make sure he's okay and then she's like he's dead and then um uh julian goes my god it's martin fitzgerald and uh then Teresa goes, Papa? And then Eve checks his pulse to see, and he's dead. And she's like, Papa's dead. And then Pilar comes running in. It's like, Martin, Martin. And she like kneels down next to his body. And this was when I was like, and I guess she's like in shock and it's been a long time, blah, blah, blah. But it seems like she would, I don't know, it seemed like he would ID them as pretty quickly. Yeah, but again, they've done what they can to obscure his face. So his hair is over as much of his face as it can be. He's covered in blood. They've got glass shards. Like, they're doing what they can to to hide his face from Pilar. Yeah. So then Sam realizes that he's actually holding Ivy. And the way he realizes is he looks across the room and sees his wife's hideous hair. Like, he looks across the room and sees Grace. And then he looks down at Ivy and he's like, oh, oh. it's like he's seen a ghost. <laughs> he, like, pulls ghost away from her so past. fast. And then he goes over to Grace and is like, I'm sorry, I thought I was holding you. How could you possibly? And don't And don't say that to me. And don't yeah. say that to and me. Don't say that's that a, to me. That that's the same thing as Ethan kissing, making out with Teresa, and not knowing it wasn't Gwen. Mm-hmm. That, well, I said a double negative, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. I got it. Yeah. So um, Eve pronounces Martin dead, and Teresa falls to pieces. And I actually got like really teary eyed. Like, think about how horrible yeah. that situation is for Teresa, for Miguel, for. Pilar for Luis that is especially in that moment for Teresa because he falls through the floor I mean he falls in 
through the ceiling. She sees him. She doesn't know who this man is. Then somebody says it's her dad. And then they say he's dead. And she hasn't seen him since she was like seven. You know, like. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think it's probably the worst for. No, I think it's the worst for Teresa. Luis got to know how horrible he was. I think it's the worst for Teresa also. Because Teresa thinks that this (gasps) death is her fault because yeah. she was she was praying to fate. Fate will save me. Fate will step in and prevent me and from having to reveal the truth to Ethan. And it did, and it did it like this with the death of her father. So she is taking on all of the guilt. Yeah, fate certainly stepped in. That was a crazy turn of fate. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. He fell through the ceiling. He f- he fell out. Of, the man fell out of the sky. Yeah. Oh my he fell God. out of the fucking sky. So I I don't remember who calls, but the adults call the kids to tell them what's going Hank. on, right? Hank calls oh, to the youth that's center. Right. Hank calls and has Kay deliver the news to Miguel. He doesn't ask to, her to put Miguel on the phone. He asks her to tell Miguel what happened. Yeah. That's another reason I fucking hate Hank. Yeah, this was crazy because Luis was going to call and Hank said, no, I'll do it. I'll just tell him there was an accident. Then he calls, tells, seemingly tells Kay all of the details. Kay seems to know that Miguel's dad is dead, goes and tells Miguel all but that his father is dead, pretty much. Right? Yeah, like, there's, but, there's a big accident. We need to go to the seascape. Yeah, it sounds pretty bad. And so um, Whitney and Miguel go to the seascapes. Kay actually goes home for a little bit for whatever reason. She drops Charity off and then goes to the seascapes yeah. so she can be with Miguel. <laughs> Alone. Also... I I just have pieced together that psychopathy runs in the Bennett family. Hank is is a fucking psychopath, and so is his niece Kay. <laughs> yeah. This cra- this crazy gene is coming from from from, uh, the, from within Sam's from the side. Yeah. 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 So uh, Kay comes, Miguel comes. It's, it's all very sad. It's all very very sad. Whitney comes and tries to console Teresa. Here was a moment. I'm telling you, they are making Gwen the worst possible person. Oh, yeah. This was rough. They are making Gwen the worst because Teresa has gone through this. Everybody has gone through this traumatic experience. A man is dead. He fell from the sky and died at the stroke of midnight. And all Gwen can think about is, well, she never did bring her boyfriend. That boyfriend never did show up. And and Ethan's comforting her. It's not like Gwen. This is not a good look. This this girl's father just died. She has fallen to pieces. It, it, he's died in front of her eyes. I, I, like, get off it. Get off it. Get a good god girl. Get a grip. Get and, off my jock. Like, seriously. what the fuck are you doing? And after all of this, all that has transpired, she says to Ethan, can't we just go and be alone together and enjoy our New Year's Eve together? How could we possibly enjoy anything? This man is dead. Yeah. Yeah. We just watched can't, him die. Oh She's awful. She is horrible. Yeah. And I've been saying it. I can't stand Gwen. Yeah, she just gets worse and worse. Gwen started off as just boring and there. Like, Gwen was just the obstacle for to, to, for Teresa. But but she is becoming villainous. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's not nice. Yeah, so uh, all of this has happened. Then, like you said, uh, Teresa seems to think that this was all her fault. She tells 
uh, Whitney, she she actually tells Whitney, I'm going to have to I'm going to come clean. I have to end this. I have to end this. And Whitney actually tells her, you probably shouldn't tell him in this state. You're in a pretty terrible state. But Teresa's going to she's going to tell him. So she goes outside. She's looking for him. He actually finds her and she just says to him, this is my fault. And then she cries and he grabs her and holds her. And then, of course, Gwen sees it, is upset. She's like, he said he was going to comfort Pilar. But instead, he's hugging Teresa. It's like so, the girl can't, like, can barely stand up. She is inconsolable. Mm-hmm. And and this is and this is where we end it. Well, like that, this no, there's more. No, there's one more thing, a big oh. thing. I don't know how you missed this. Sam is going through Martin Fitzgerald's wallet. And he pulls out like a couple of little things and he pulls out a phone number that's a Harmony local phone number. Then he walks over to the bar with Luis where where Julian is sitting very proud of himself thinking he's like he solved my problem. He solved, you know, he, by dying, yeah. he solved my problem. Right. Right. So he's sitting at the bar drunk as a skunk. And uh, then Sam calls the number, puts it on speakerphone. It goes to Julian Crane's private line. That's the number that was in Martin Fitzgerald's wallet. Well, I don't know about you, but that's pretty suspicious to me. Mm, very suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah. And that's where we end it. And, and I that's was, where I end it. Oh, Lord. It was. Sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't remember if that was in the, the next group of episodes or the, this one. So this was I almost great, glossed over it. This was a great set of episodes. Great, great, great. Oh, I, I, great. I, really, lo- I really love this. All right. So I believe we've got an email from Bridget. Yes. Yes, we do. We have an email. Thank you, Bridget, for sending it through the website. So cool. So lovely. Hi, ladies. As I was listening to the newest episode and you all were talking about how your parents would suddenly get religious, another repressed memory came to mind. Don't worry. Therapy is scheduled for 4 p.m. today. <laughs> good for you, Bridget. I, uh, good for you. You go to therapy. <laughs> I love that. I little, need to go. I love that, Paul. I need to go to therapy. Okay, so I am, I've already decided as soon as I get back, I'm going to get started going to therapy. Like this trip home has, um, <laughs> has made I something think surface. Look, I think it's awesome. I think everybody needs therapy. Yeah, me too. I want to go see a therapist. Like, I, I think it's really cool that Bridget is just so open about the fact she's like, I'm going to see my therapist. Yeah. I think it's I think there's a really big shift happening in the culture where people are like, you know what? I need help dealing with my problems because yeah. I don't want to perpetuate the cycle. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's awesome. And I think it's going to make all of us much better people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. So anyway, sorry. I'm going to get back to the email. <laughs> I keep getting on my soapbox. Bridget says, back in my passion days, my mom had gotten super religious, so much so that she bought all of Kirk Cameron's left behind VHS tapes and made us watch them with her on loop. Me too, Bridget. I saw those movies as well. And they were terrifying. (laughs) Terrifying. She says, keep in mind that I am from a tiny town in southeastern Kentucky, which is in the heart of the Bible Belt. So a lot of people had sworn off soap operas after Marlena got possessed on Days of Our Lives. Mm-hmm. My mom was one of those people. <laughs> I get it. I'm from southern Ohio. So and you I'm know in that I, Bible Belt. You know I get it. I'm from Tennessee. 
Mm-hmm. You can imagine my mom's reaction when she saw Tabitha and Timmy on my TV doing witchcraft after her revamped religious period in her life. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Every time she would hear Tabitha cast a spell, she would make me turn off my stories, <laughs> as Mama would call them, and I would get so upset. After numerous fights with my mom over Tabitha and Timmy, I finally learned that my TV had a setting where when you hit mute, the subtitles would pop up. Mm-hmm. Every time Passions would cut to Tabitha doing some witchy shit, I would slam that mute button down and Usain bolt myself across my room to my tiny 19-inch TV so I could read what was being said. Bridget, you are such an excellent writer. Also, is it uh, is it just me? or Because I had a 19-inch TV too, and it seemed much bigger than what 19 inches actually is. Like, did you have a 19 inch TV? I didn't have a TV. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have a TV. All you fancy bitches over here with your 19 inch TVs. I had a zero inch TV. I had a 19. You wanna know why I haven't seen any TV, Zach? Because all I did was read books because I didn't have a fucking TV. I had a 19 inch (laughs) Zenith TV. I kept it for years, I love that TV. But anyway, go on, I'm sorry. I Bridget says I was so upset when the actor who plays Timmy passed away in the early 2000s I watched the Grinch a few days ago the actor who plays Timmy also plays the baby Grinch and that had that led me to googling Tabitha to see if she was still alive did y'all know that Juliet Mills who plays Tabitha is the sister of Haley Mills aka the little girl who played Pollyanna Juliet's godmother was also Vivian Lee aka the actress who played Scarlett O'Hara which made me think I wonder how Juliet took the whole gone with the wind fantasy and Teresa's bad accent <laughs> okay so that all is insane it's amazing amazing sister of Haley Mills I loved Haley Mills when yeah, I, I was I had no clue. I loved Pollyanna. Like, I guess that makes me a Pollyanna. And of course, Gone with the Wind. Vivian Lee, iconic. Iconic. Iconic, yep. So anything. Anyway, one last thing. I joined a Passions Facebook group where they post the old episodes and have watch parties. The people in that group hate Teresa and they call her Diaresa instead. How dare they? I love Teresa, and I'm convinced Kim K stole her look, but Mm -hmm. Diaresa is living in my head rent-free every time she comes on the screen. I hope you all had a great holiday, and I'm counting down the days until the new episode. Love, (laughs) Sam Bennett's biggest fan, Bridget. (laughs) I'm with Bridget. I'm with Bridget. I do think that Kim K did steal Teresa's look. 100%. Teresa's the the fucking original. Hundo P. Hundo P stole Teresa's look. Yeah. Um, I can't believe there's a whole group of people out there who hate Teresa. I cannot believe it. I can understand there's people who like aren't find her annoying, but hate her? That's that's too much. And you that's a stretch. You a reach. Diaresa. Rude. Also like Rude. We don't call people I mean, I guess I say that Ethan's a dumb dumb, but they probably That's love, not the same thing as making up a mean nickname. They probably love charity. And hate Teresa. <laughs> those people are ridiculous. They wouldn't like our podcast. No. If they, you if you know what, I wonder if we have some crossover where there's like passions watch group people who also listen to the podcast. Yeah. And probably hate us right now. Oh, <laughs> oh I was sorry, not sorry. Teresa's awesome. <laughs> Teresa's great. Kim K stole her look. Yeah. Bridget, you're an excellent writer. Yes, thank you so much, Bridget. And thank all of you for listening to our silly little podcast. Uh we have a lot of fun doing it, and uh, I had a, I had a good break, so I'm glad. Well, I had a decent break, so but I'm glad to get back to it. This is so much Me fun. Me too. Yeah. I uh, I didn't realize how much I missed it. Yeah, 
Yeah. So we'll be back with another episode next week, won't we? We shall indeed. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, please remember to like and subscribe, all of those things. Write us a review. I would love to see a new um, Apple review. We've got some out there, but I would like to see a couple new ones. So if anybody would like to share their feelings. Yeah, that kind of, that kind of stuff really helps us. So if you can, if you haven't already, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, the review is really big. It helps people find our our show and helps you know, helps us do the show really. So, um, follow us on social. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We are on Facebook at passions podcast. You can also send us an email at passionspodcast at gmail.com or through the website like Bridget did, which is passionspodcast.com. Yep. 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 So that's it. We have to sing a song through a distant screen and I'm very concerned it won't line up. We're going to try our best. All right. Uh, here we go. One, two, wait, what key? Mm Okay. One, two, three. You, you are, are my passion. passion. <laughs> oh, life wasn't so low. That's so low. That's not the You, are, you my are my passion. That's where it is. Life. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three, go. You, you are, are my passion. passion for life. <laughs> I can't, I can't okay, I got you. an idea. I'm going to do you it. Told, because I, you I, told me to go like a kid. <laughs> I know how to count. I'm I know how to fucking count. It, but it's too it's too off. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do it. Then you just do it. And then I'll just put them together. Layer them? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to sing it very operatically. Okay. <laughs> Here I go. You are my passion for life. You are my passion. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you are my... <laughs> okay. You are my passion for life. There we go. I it'll, couldn't do it. I was laughing too hard. I think it'll work. If it doesn't, you know what I'll do? I'll just, just take it from an old episode and splice it in. I might just Maybe. do that. You are my passion for life.